2020. The meeting is being called to order at 4.32 p.m. The Small Business Commission thanks Media Services, SFGovTV, for televising the meeting, which can be viewed on SFGovTV2 or live-streamed at sfgovtv.org. Members of the public who will be calling in, the number is 415-655-0001. Again, that number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 146-737-1001. Press pound, then pound again to be added to the meeting. Again, that access code is 146-737-1011. Press pound and then pound again to be added into the meeting. When you're connected, you will hear the meeting discussion, but you will be muted and in listening mode. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you style star three before public comment is called, you will be added to the queue. When you are called for public comment, please mute the device that you are listening to the meeting on, and when it is your time to speak, you will be prompted to do so. Public comment during the meeting is limited to three minutes per speaker, unless otherwise established by the presiding officer of the meeting, and the alarm will sound once the, I, once the time has finished. Speakers are requested but not required to state their names. SFGovTV, please show the Office of Small Business slide. Today, we will begin with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco. The Office of Small Business is the best place to get answers about doing business in San Francisco during the local emergency. If you need assistance with small business matters, particularly at this time, you can find us online or via telephone. And as always, our services are free of charge. Before item one is called, I'd like to start by thanking Media Services and SFGovTV for coordinating this virtual hearing and live stream. And special thanks to RSLA Frias for assisting with the public comment line tonight. Please call item number one. Item one, call to order and roll call. Commissioner Adams is currently absent. Commissioner Dooley has not yet joined. Commissioner Huey. Here. Commissioner Laguana. Here. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Here. Commissioner Yacoutiel. Here. Commissioner Zizunis. Present. Mr. President, you have a quorum. Wonderful. Uh, please call item number two, please. Item two, approval of legacy business registry applications and resolutions, discussion and action item. The presenter is Richard Carrillo, legacy business program manager. And before the item begins, Rhea, do you need me to provide you with presenting um, controls? I think I'm okay. Um, I'm here. So I can... can give them to you. I think so, yes. And then my audio is coming through my phone. Okay, great. Great. So I think I'm okay now. Let's see. Tell me if you could see the presentation. Oh, I have to share my screen, don't I? Yes. Oh, okay, hold on one moment. Sorry. Working um, on it. 
share screen. You should be able to know. Ooh, great. Yeah, we we see go. We're good. All right, Rick, All right. Sirs, take it away. Great, thank you. Good afternoon, President Laguana, Vice President Zuzunas, Commissioners, Office of Small Business Staff, Richard Carrillo, Legacy Business Program Manager. Before you, uh, before you today are five applications for your consideration for the Legacy Business Registry. Each application includes a staff report, a draft resolution, the application itself, and a case report and draft resolution from the planning department. The applications were submitted to planning on November 4th and heard by the Historic Preservation Commission on December 2nd. Item 2A is Bimbo's 365 Club. The business is a nighttime entertainment venue established by Agostino Guitoli and Monk Young in 1931 during Prohibition. It was originally a supper theater and speakeasy called the 365 Club, located at 365 Market Street, where it derives its name. The 365 Club was under dual ownership until Guintoli, known as Mr. Bimbo, a diminutive of Bambino, which is Italian for boy, became the sole owner in 1936 and established Bimbo's 365 Club as a family-owned business. Three generations later, Bimbo's is still owned and operated by the family. Bimbo's relocated in 1951 to its current location on Columbus Avenue in an Art Deco building designed by Tim Timothy Pfluger. One of the most notable features of the business is Delfina, the girl in the fishbowl feature behind the bar. Supper clubs declined in the 1960s and Mr. Bimbo retired in 1969. The business reinvented itself in the 1970s as a private event space managed by Mr. Bimbo's son-in-law and Bimbo's today serves both private and public events, concert shows and performances in a chic venue known for its seductive interiors that are evocative of the club's prohibition era beginnings. Item 2B, uh, sorry, going back to Bimbo's, uh, the core feature tradition the business must maintain to remain on the registry. You can see the fifth bullet point there is entertainment venue. Item 2B is Giorgio's Pizzeria. The business is an Italian sit-down pizzeria in the inner Richmond founded in 1972 by second-generation Italian immigrant George Anastasia. Giorgio's Pizzeria serves Italian comfort food, including pizza, calzones, pasta, and salads. The restaurant is situated in a prominent location at the corner of 3rd Avenue and Clement Street with green awnings and a large blade sign outside and red vinyl booth inside. Giorgio's Pizzeria continuously gives back to its Richmond neighborhood, regularly donating gift cards to local schools and hosting various dine and donate events for a variety of schools and organizations. Giorgio's Pizzeria has also been an employer in the Richmond neighborhood since its opening, actively employing many of San Francisco college students. Giorgio's has also employed recent immigrants to San Francisco and is proud to employ a predominantly Latinx staff. The core feature tradition the business must maintain is restaurant featuring Italian cuisine. Item 2C is Japan Video and Media. The business is a retail store in Japan Center's West Mall selling Japanese and Korean TV shows and films and anime merchandise. The store was founded in September 1984 by and still owned by Japanese immigrant Takeshi Onishi. Onishi wanted to open a store that introduced and promotes Japanese culture, making it accessible to Americans through English subtitles. Today, the store remains one of the top retailers of Japanese and Korean films, 
and anime merchandise including posters, keychains, bags, plush dolls, and other collector's items. Onishi organized an anime costume parade in 1999, the first in the country, and an anime fair in 2010. Since then, the anime costume parade and fairs continued annually, attracting more than 10,000 visitors to Japantown each year. The store gives back to the community it serves, donating merchandise to Japanese bazaars and festivals each year. The core feature tradition the business must maintain is video store. Item 2D is Marce uh, Marcello's Pizza. The business is a pizza shop located in the Castro, originally opened by Brad McFadden in 1978. Marcello's Pizza serves pizza, hot subs, calzones, salads, and more. In 1996, Annie Flores became the official owner of the store and now runs Marcello's Pizza with her domestic partner and business partner, Sarah McNulty. Marcello's food is baked with love, served with pride, their official motto. And they have actively supported the LGBTQ community since they were founded. During the AIDS epidemic, Marcello's, Mar Marcello's, sorry, uh, would deliver pizzas to nurses at the San Francisco General Hospital AIDS Ward 5B. They also delivered pizzas to caregivers and workers at Coming Home Hospice, which at the time housed mostly people with AIDS. Marcello's Pizza also supports local nonprofits like San Francisco AIDS Foundation, Names Project, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, Dyke March, the LGBT Center, um, Harvey Milk, Civil Rights Academy, Castro Alliance Club, Make-A-Wish Foundation, Frame Line, and many more. The core featured tradition the business must maintain is restaurant featuring Italian cuisine. Item 2E is services by David Bonk. The business is a high-end decorative wall covering company located in Ingleside that was started by David Bonk in 1988. Services, designs, and produces artisan hand-painted wallpaper and vinyl and grass cloth wall coverings. Everything is done by hand in a traditional method and all canvases are custom tailored for their clients. Services is a true San Francisco artisan business. Services supports hiring local employees, finding employees through local networking sites like City College of San Francisco and San Francisco State University's job boards. They aim to hire people who have an interest in interior design and the arts and give them real world experience within the industry. The core feature tradition the business must maintain is manufacturing of wallpaper. All five businesses meet the three criteria required for listing on the Legacy Business Registry, and all five received positive recommendation from the Historic Preservation Commission. Office of Small Business Staff recommends adding the businesses to the registry and has drafted five resolutions for your consideration. A motion in support of the businesses should be framed as a motion in favor of the resolutions. Thank you. This concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions, and there are business representatives on the line who would like to speak on behalf of the applications during public comment. Great. Uh, is there any uh, commissioner comment before we open it up to public comment? Commissioner Yukutiel. Thank you so much, Commissioner Laguana. This is Commissioner Yukutiel. This is a little bit of a general comment. Uh, so if this is the wrong time, it's regarding legacy businesses. Um, but I wonder if, there, if the commission feels like there is enough momentum to request an emergency infusion of funds to give additional uh, money to the legacy businesses who've already been grantees given the unique circumstances that we're in. So it's one thing to just put out there. The second thing is, um, I know that the, the legacy business program uh, makes a calculation based on number of employees, but given that the employee 
the number of employees has fluctuated so much uh, in the last nine months. Um, I wonder how, our, how that might be affecting the money that we've allocated to these businesses. So Commissioner Yukuriel, these are appropriate uh, questions, uh, but I think uh, they're not on the agenda. Uh, so I think the right time to bring this up would be uh, new business at the end, um, during, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it up at that time. Um, okay. for, consider, for the consider the seed planted and I'll bring it up in new business. It's, it's welcome input, let's put it that way. Um, so is there uh, any commissioner comment uh, before we go to public comment? Okay, seeing none. Uh, are there any public commenters on the line? Um, commissioner Laguana, we have Supervisor Fewer on the line as well, who I believe would like to make public comment on this item. Yes, of course. And uh, Supervisor, uh, before you speak, um, I just want to say, uh, I believe this will be the last time you'll be speaking on behalf of your folks at the at the commission. Um, and I want to say for uh, everybody that is watching, uh, I don't know of any other supervisor that has personally come in for each and every single one, uh, or close to each and every single one of her uh, nominations for the Small Business Commission. Uh, and you have been an extraordinary friend to the businesses in your district. Um, and we've been honored to have you here in, in your presence uh, before the commission. Um, and we thank you for all your service to the community. Um, so with that, please uh, uh, offer your comment. Thank you, Commissioner. And thank you, Commissioners, for having me today and allowing me to speak about my nomination for Legacy Business, Giorgio's Pizza. So Georgia, Giorgio's Pizza is an institution in the Richmond district. It sits at the corner of 3rd and Clement and it is always busy, but Giorgio's is more than that. Giorgio's is a tried and tested place where my residents depend on for a really good San Francisco pizza. And not only that, but also on a personal note, I, my children's um, sleepovers, birthday parties, and multiple parties that they have gone to and we have hosted, it is Giorgio's Pizza that we order. This beloved institution is generous also as it, um, they hire many people from my district, they hire local San Francisco residents, and also they donate to many of our good causes here in the Richmond district. Um, full transparency, I have a couple of slices of Giorgio's pizza left over in my refrigerator right now, original crust crispy, Giorgio's special. This is an institution that is beloved by all. It has a unique um, type of pizza, I think. I like to call it sort of the San Francisco pizza, I happen to think. And um, sorry, Michellos, but I actually think that it is the best pizza in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm honored to have it in my district, but I'm equally as honored to nominate it for, for your judgment today for evaluation to be named as the prestigious legacy business of San Francisco. Thank you, commissioners. And it is true, this is my last meeting and I just want to extend my great appreciation for the commission and its consideration of the legacy businesses that you have considered and granted in my district. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, your pizza disclosure is noted for the record. Uh, <laughs> can we get our uh, next uh, public comment, please? Araceli, do we have callers on the line? I've unmuted the first caller. Uh, I would like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to present 
Japan Video and Media for Legacy Business Program. First, I'd like to tell you about myself, then I'll speak about why we should be nominated. I was born and raised in Japan. When I was a senior year in college, on July 19th, 1969, I took the Pan American Airways to arrive in San Francisco, which was my dream to see America through my own eyes. The next day on July 20th, I watched Apollo 11's historic moon landing and the first walk on the moon by Neil Armstrong on TV. It was a dream of mankind. After graduating from university, I decided to stay to practice my English in the workplace. In September 1984, I made the first step to realize my dream. I opened Japan Video with a strong conviction of a promising future for the video business. Although in recent times, streaming and the video on demand became popular, I have found that many people still want to own a hard copy of their favorite movies. Today, we have grown to become one of the best sources of anime, dramas, samurai films, and special interest movies from Japan and Asia. In addition, we have expanded our product lines from DVD to a large collection of anime merchandise, such as posters, plush doll features, and many more. Literally, we made an another store inside video store. Ever since we opened the store, our company mission has been to introduce and promote Japanese culture to the American people. For that purpose, all titles we carried came with English subtitles. The another point we would like to draw your attention is our strong emphasis and commitment to community events. In 1999, we organized very first anime costume parade in the country to help bring the younger generation to the Cherry Blossom Festival. Anime had added a touch of contemporary culture to a tradition-dominated festival. It has been very successful and one of the most popular events of Cherry Blossom Festival today. Furthermore, to bring more people and revitalize economic activity of Japantown, we organized summer Next festival of dance. Thank you so much for your comment. Next caller, please. Hello, my name is Alex Mullaney. Thank you, commissioners, for letting me speak on behalf of Surfaces by David Bonk. I am uh, representing the Ocean Avenue Association and the Ingleside Merchants Association. We are very, very enthusiastically putting before you, with the great help of Richard Carrillo, the application uh, to print services on the uh, Legacy Business Registry. It's one of those businesses that makes you love San Francisco. It's, it's, it was created here. Um, it hires local. They work with the local schools to uh, raise up our, our budding artists. Um, they, they keep their um, 1920s uh, 
devastating storefront in immaculate condition. It's, it's really nice to see. And when you peek in, you get to see this amazing industrial scene of people making wallpaper. So I, I will keep my comments brief, but I, I really want to, uh, again, thank Richard Carrillo and the whole staff at the Office of Small Business. And I urge you to please uh, accept this uh, application. Thank you. Thank you. Next caller, please. Caller, you're on the line. Please, please comment. This caller appears to be connected by computer, so they may need to to figure out their uh, audio settings if they wish to speak that way. Great. Uh, caller, if you call back, we'd be happy to uh, uh, reconnect you once you've uh, figured that out. Next caller, please. That appears to be the last caller in the queue at this time. Uh, if the caller calls back, we will reopen public comment so that the caller can have the, make their comment. Um, if, if that's okay. Um, Commissioner Adams. I'm sorry, actually, before we go to Commissioner Adams, uh, I, I, uh, I apologize. Uh, Richard, uh, I believe you have uh, uh, the remainder of somebody's speech and uh, uh, also public comment on behalf of Bimbus. I do, uh, can you hear me? Uh, we can, yes, please. Great. So um, I have the rest of Mr. Onishi's speech, um, if I may read it. He said, furthermore, to bring more people and revitalize economic activity of Japantown, we organized the summer festival, Oban Dance and Japan Center Anime Fair. Every year we donate a number of popular anime goods to the Children's Day Festival and many movies to the San Francisco Buddhist Church to show our appreciation for the support from the Japanese American community. I deeply appreciate your consideration of my business into the Legacy Business Registry and help make my dream come true. Thank you. And Bembo's 365 said, Club said they would like to thank you for your consideration and adding them to the Legacy Business Registry. Uh, they thank uh, Deb, Mike, and Woody at SF Heritage who helped with their application, Katie from Planning Department and Rick with the Legacy Business Program and Allison Moulton for helping us with their application process. Uh, like everyone, we are doing our best to navigate through the pandemic so we can make it to 2021 when we will be proudly celebrating our 90th anniversary. Thank you. Wonderful, thank you. Commissioner Adams. Thank you, President Iguana. Uh, and thank you, Richard. These are great nominations today. Um, very good nominations today and um, congratulations to all of them. I just want to give a special shout out to two of them. One is Bimbo's. Um, I, I've had some of the my best memories in San Francisco come from Bimbo's. Some of the best bands I've saw in San Francisco. Some of the best parties I've been to in San Francisco. Um, it, it's really a treasure. And then I'm going to challenge uh, Supervisor Fewer on the best pizza and that that's Marcello's. Uh, those of us who live in the Castro, I mean, that, that's, that, that's our go-to pizza place. And, and I am so pleased that they're finally on the business um, uh, legacy uh, registry. And um, 
I'm so proud of them. And, and they are so involved in the neighborhood. Um, when I was head of Castro Merchants, they were involved, uh, whether it be Castro Street Fair, Pride, whatever. I mean, they're our rock on Castro Street. So uh, congratulations to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Vice President Sazunas. Thank you, Rick, for presenting um, these, these stellar applicants and for all your support, getting uh, their historical narratives written out and presented to us. And thank you everyone who gave comments. I really love to hear um, testament to small businesses that have been so ingrained in their community and the struggles of the communities that they serve, especially during the harder times of our city's history, like the AIDS epidemic. And um, I love to hear that we have, you know, manufacturing production style businesses that are still alive in San Francisco and hiring local. And I just wanna, you know, thank everybody for being here. Of, of course, uh, it's also great to see prohibition era businesses still around. So thank you so much. And we really hope that we can contribute in preserving your uh, respective legacies. Thank you, Commissioner Huey. Um, thank you also, Rick, um, from, for me, <laughs> to, for bringing these uh, legacy businesses um, to um, our meeting today. And I just wanted to um, share that you know, this morning I shared the agenda with the Clement Street Merchants and, um, you know, we were very excited for, I was very excited to see Giorgio's Pizza on the list. And um, I, my whole email box today has been just slews, uh, just tons of emails congratulating them and speaking um, about, you know, people's personal experiences there. So um, I just wanted to share that, you know, the the owners and Chet at Giorgio's have really, um, you know, been champions in the community. And one of the key things that I notice for from them and people who are champions in the community is that they just always say yes. Like anytime there's a request, anytime there's something going on, the answer is always yes. And I don't want to put them on the spot to have to say yes some more, but it's really been um, a key piece of of creating community and maintaining that community. Um, so I just really wanna thank them for um, everything that they've done. Um, the other piece is that I, it sounds like we might need um, a San Francisco pizza competition because it sounds like we, <laughs> and that might be appropriate for new business perhaps, <laughs> but I do think that their pizza and their pasta is amazing. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Dooley. I want to just say that all the many, many times I personally have spent at Bimbo's having a fantastic time and over the years seeing so many different generations of party goers going there and, and, you know, after 90 years, they definitely deserve to be a legacy business. And then congratulations to everyone well-deserved. Thank you. So seeing no other commissioner comment, um, I will say uh, just a, a couple of brief words of my own. Um, uh, congratulations to uh, all of the nominees, but um, I have a, a 
couple special words for Bimbos, which holds a, a very near and dear uh, place to my heart. Uh, I've performed there many times. I've, uh, like Commissioner Dooley, seen many uh, uh, great and, and amazing performances there. Um, I also want to say uh, I have attended many uh, fundraisers um, and nonprofit events at Bimbos, and, and they've played a really uh, big role in, in the community and in the city as a whole and in, in helping to create a space uh, for really good uh, uh, worthy uh, stuff like, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been to uh, eight. 826 Valencia fundraisers and, and scholastic fundraisers. Uh, but mostly what I want to talk about is the piano in the bar. The action on this piano is exquisite. It is perfectly balanced between light and heavy. The tone is gorgeously mellow. It, I, I don't know how long that piano has been sitting in the bar, but it sounds like it's been marinating in old fashions for uh, all 91 years that it's been there. Um, and I have to say, out of all the pianos in the city, it was my favorite one to play. Um, I can't wait for the city to come back and open up again so that I can play that piano again. Bimbos uh, are, and all of the nominees, uh, congratulations, our hearts go out to you. Can we get a motion, please? A motion to approve the uh, legacy businesses that are on the docket today. Seconded. You can, uh, you can put have me any down. No, you, fine. Can have, you can have it, uh, super, uh, Supervisor, Chair, Commissioner. <laughs> I'll pass on the promotion. Thank you. <laughs> okay, motion by Commissioner Adams to approve the legacy business resolutions as they were presented, seconded by Commissioner Laguana. Roll call vote, Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Dooley? Yes. Commissioner Huey? Yes. Commissioner Laguana? Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena? Yes. Commissioner Yacoutiel? Yes. Commissioner Zazunas? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero with no absent. Item three, presentation. Sorry, congratulations again to all of the uh, new legacy business uh, members. Next item. Item three, presentation, San Francisco Permit Center at 49 South Van Ness. Update report on the opening of a new permit center at 49 South Van Ness. Discussion item. The presenter is Rebecca Villarreal Mayer. Uh, manager with the San Francisco Permit Center. And Rebecca, I will pass over the presenting um, controls to you. Great. Welcome, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you for making the time to visit with us tonight. Let us know when you have the controls. We're looking forward to uh, seeing your presentation. Uh, thank you very much. Let me see if I am talented enough to do this. Hold on. Okay. And Rebecca, if you want to turn your video off, it's telling me that you have um, a bandwidth issue on your end. So that okay. might be, that might help you out. Okay. 
uh, video is off and now I have the little circle of death. Sorry, folks. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Take your time. Okay. Um, let me just get started and say thank you for having me. Um, and I'll, I'll do my intro and then I can fly through the first couple of slides. Uh, my name is Rebecca Villarreal Mayer. I'm the current acting director at the Permit Center, um, and I took over from Melissa Whitehouse this past October. And we're really I'm very excited to uh, just share some fun facts about the Permit Center with you. And I, I hear we have a number of you coming to visit us at the end of the week, so we can't wait to show you the, the space. And my WebEx is very angry, everyone. Um, whole, some, Rebecca, if it's helpful, I can um, upload the presentation. I'll just need a minute to download it. Okay, I think that would be great. And I'm going to, I am gonna have to close the program. So if you lose me, I'll be right back on. No problem. Probably the wrong moment for dad jokes, or maybe the perfect moment for dad jokes. If you want um, Commissioner Laguana to call um, the minutes ahead of. Yeah, we'll go that. ahead and do that. Continuing this item, um, item number six. Item six approval of draft meeting minutes from November 3rd, 2020. Are there any members of the public who'd like to make comments on item number six? Archelle? There are no members of the public in the queue. All right. Uh, we have, do we have a motion? I'll motion that we approve the draft meeting minutes for November 23rd, 2020. Second. Motion by Commissioner Adams to approve the minutes for November 23rd, 2020. Seconded by Commissioner Dooley. Roll call vote. Commissioner Adams. Yes. Commissioner Dooley. Yes. Commissioner uh, Huey. Yes. Commissioner Laguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. Commissioner Yacutiel. Yes. Commissioner Zizuji. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero with no absent. Um, let's see. Rebecca, are you back on yet? No, she is not. Kind of add a little tiny item to do, aren't we? Oh, we could move into general public comment. Um, why don't I? A little worried. I know uh, of somebody who wanted to call in for that. Um, and I'm worried if we get too wackadoodle, they'll have missed their spot. And I know there wasn't anybody on public comment for uh, the minutes. But in the absence of anything else to do, I think yet here we are. So, um, Dominica, do you want to call out number seven? I can. And I believe I see the commenter who wanted to. The member of the public who wanted to make comment on general public comment on our attendee list. So okay, great. Um, let's hope they are listening. Good so, news. 
Moving right along to item seven, which is general public comment. This allows members of the public to comment on matters that are within the Small Business Commission's jurisdiction, but not on today's calendar and to suggest new agenda items for the commission's future consideration. That is a discussion item. Um, I will repeat the public call-in line and access number. The number is 415-655-0001 and the access code is 146-737-1011. Press pound and then pound again and then dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Araceli, um, has anyone raised their uh, hands? So far, no one has raised their hand. So if you are uh, looking to make public comment tonight on matters not related to any of the uh, agenda items currently on our agenda, please hit pound three, star three? I think it's star three, right? Star three. Well, please hit star three to raise your hand and uh, be recognized. And we would be delighted to hear your public comment. And I'd also uh, like to remind the public that if you're connected by phone and you wish to give public comment, instead of star three, you would need to select the hand icon at the bottom of the participants list to raise your hand if you're connected by computer. And through the president, um, just in case, um, I do see that our online agenda has skipped, uh, actually item number six. So um, the online agenda has public comment identified as item number eight. So we may just wanna make note of that if anybody is following the web agenda. We're all over the place tonight. Thank you uh, for your note, uh, Director. I'm, I'm not even gonna try and repeat it because I'm lost, uh, but uh, I, I second what you said. <laughs> there is someone who has their hand raised. Araceli, could you call on them, please? Yes, I will do that. Thank you. Wonderful. Welcome, public commenter. Uh, please make your comment. Hello, thanks uh, for um, inviting me on this, uh, commissioners, for uh, to make the general public. My name is Yuka Yoroi. Um, I'm the um, acting executive director of Baba Village Merchants Association and also owner of Cassava Restaurant in Outer Richmond. Um, I was pleased to see um, our wonderful district supervisor um, in the um, earlier on meeting and then Um, the recognition. Uh, my comment today is um, uh, the dire situation we all face as businesses and also um, I am a little frustrated because my business is facing uh, the hardest financial situation ever and um, I see I would like to see more stronger push for long-term funding um, requests from uh, from the local municipalities, from the federal government that is not a loan or um, extension of existing um, loans, um, EIDL and PPPs, because a lot of us have exhausted them already. We need brand new funding that is not a loan. 
that will be forgiven, that will not be taxed later on. And um, um, thank you for your leadership in um, creating the legislation advice for um, the mayor's office of Retta. And then it's wonderful. Uh, but I would like to ask for that, that we're needing for at least six, turn, um, six months worth of funding for residents and businesses as this crisis for sure go for another year. Thank you for your time. Thank you uh, and appreciate your public comment. Uh, I'll, I'll note that Sacramento County has begun a landmark program of a thousand to $3,000 payments to those hardest hit by the pandemic. Uh, which was uh, just announced. So, uh, okay, are we ready yet to go back to uh, item number whatever? Bah, 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 bah. Rebecca uh, from the Permit Center is called in, so I will unmute her and then I can upload her presentation. Rebecca, um, just let me know when to move on to, to the next slide. I'm going to reclaim the poster. Hmm. Hey, Araceli, I can't seem to unmute Rebecca. Okay, I'll try to unmute her. Do I need to make you host again for that? Yeah, I can't unmute people. The host can do that. Great. Okay, you've handed me the host. Um, so you're speaking of Rebecca Mayer in the attendee list? Yes. Okay, Ooh, she's been unmuted. Okay. Rebecca. Can you hear me? Hi. Okay. Great. We can. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for uh, your patience with these technical issues. Um, oh, no problem. Right back at you. Um, <laughs> this is sort of a, this is like a, a little analogy for my permit center uh you know since moving things have things have been pretty fluid so we learn how to adapt here yep that's right all right floor is yours uh we're looking at the presentation so take it away great um and uh okay if we can go to the next slide please and i've noticed my font change has changed so if it looks crazy i'm sorry everyone it might be on my end very unclear Okay, so um, I just want to do a little bit of history. I, I am not sure if Melissa Whitehouse has ever, if she ever had a chance to speak at the commission before, but we'll do this quickly. Um, so a year ago, uh, if we can go to the next slide where it says before, uh, customers who were permitting in San Francisco, and like uh, one example I can think of is if somebody wanted to convert their cafe to um, a a restaurant space uh, that also had entertainment, they would have to travel all around SOMA and Civic Center. Uh, so we had uh, 
you know, 13 plus locations throughout the city where people were doing their permitting businesses and that presented an opportunity for the, for the permit center to be created. Um, when we started looking at how to use the space and program the space at 49 South Venice, which is the new public building. Uh, next slide, please. And so what we have been able to do is consolidate uh, down to, we have, you know, most, most permitting agencies are now within 49 South NS and the permit center. Um, and then uh, some services still remain at city hall, but we've, uh, you know, greatly reduced from 13 down to just two locations. Um, oh, and I see a little green dot at the top, which is the port, um, and they will continue to do their permitting there. Next slide, please. And actually, let's just skip that and we'll go to the one after it. Um, so I wanted to share the mission, uh, mission and vision statement for the Permit Center. This was created in the winter of 2018-2019 with all of the stakeholder departments and the mayor. And really, the um, I highlighted within the vision statement, um, friendly, streamlined, and efficient Permit Center, because those are really, those have been our guiding principles as we developed the space and programmed its use and as we work with the departments to help create new services and streamline um, processes, we really keep in mind the friendly, streamlined, and efficient at all times. And um, again, it, it guides us in how we decide and make decisions on the things that we're doing. Next slide, please. Um, so just some fun facts about the floor. The permit center is the second floor of the new 49 South Venice uh, public building, uh, 39,000 square feet. We have 70 plus public counters, uh, 15 conference rooms that we hope to be able to you know, share with customers one day. Um, we have a handful of small focus rooms. And again, a lot of the space we're hoping to make available and program for customers to use as well as the staff. Um, we know that you know working with multiple departments may it, it may not be an immediate experience, and as much as we try to streamline, there will still be some wait times. And so we're working to program this floor so that customers have a comfortable space to work in and wait, um, and you know be able to make good use of their time. Next slide, please. Uh, so here's just a, this is a list of our current permit center departments. Um, building inspection will make up the bulk of, the, of our permit center floor tenants. And right now the floor is largely building inspection. Um, and then uh, everybody else is really listed in, in order of their presence, um, percentage of their presence on the floor. So fire department has a large presence. Um, they're doing both their operational and building permitting here. Uh, planning department currently is doing most of their work remotely, but they will have a significant presence on our floor um, when we return back to normal. Uh, and then followed by Public Works, the Public Utilities Commission, Environmental Health, um, the Small Business Commission. We have some great seats that I'm excited to show you, and the Entertainment Commission. Next slide, please. And then this is a list of our on-call stations. So these are departments that um, the first three are actually in the building, but they 
that don't have a volume of participants where they need to sit on the floor all the time. So we have this fantastic new queue management system um, that will work with these departments uh, to teach them how to use and we'll be able to summon them down to the floor when their customers are here. Um, in addition, the Mayor's Office on Disability, uh, they're currently located at 1155 Market Street, but uh, we'd like to work with them to see if we can create some set office hours so that they're here. Um, and we're doing some new things with, uh, there's a brand new network in this building that's going to allow us to create hoteling stations so that departments can roll in and out of any seat that they want to um, and use the space as needed. So it gives us a, a lot of flexibility that we've never had before in a lot of our city agencies. Next slide, please. Okay, and then this is our permit center floor plan. So right now, when you, uh, or when you come and visit this week, it is not gonna look like this. Uh, most of the floor will really be DBI and the fire department, um, but, uh, this is the floor plan that we had worked out with agencies before the pandemic. We hope to largely go back to it post-pandemic. We know there'll be some modifications to it. Um, but, you know, that, again, that's a fluid thing and will really evolve based on how departments are changing their services and their offerings uh, the, because people are frankly bringing more things online and going remote. And so they may not want to have as large of an in-person presence or may not need to. Uh, once the pandemic is, is past us. So um, top left-hand corner is DBI, and that's where customers will start their building and land use type of work with the Department of Building Inspection. Um, on the bottom, uh, where you see more kind of colored dots, a large presence from DBI and the planning and fire department, departments will go down there with their plan sets and review. Again, we're hoping to have less paper in the future. We are moving to move, we're working to move uh, plan review electronic. So uh, we may not need as many, you know, as much space to roll out plans, but we shall see. And then the top right corner is really where business and special events come into play. And there's two sort of little brown dots, if you can see them, that are stamped OSB. And those are the desks that, uh, we have uh, earmarked for the Office of Small Business. And that particular space, uh, it's actually, it's really lovely. It's right off of a, a walkway that unifies the info desk. Um, it looks over the, the art installation that's hanging in the core um, and is really, you know, it's, it's both uh, secluded, but also open to the public. So it's, it is a really, we're really excited to show you the space when you come and see it. It's, we've been, we were in such a state of construction development, I think the last time uh, folks came in and, and saw it. So you, I don't, it was hard to imagine what the space has become since we've opened. Next slide, please. And uh, just a listing of the different services that uh, we will be offering. So again, construction permitting, business permitting, special events permitting. We are designing a print center with the Department of Reproduction that will offer both public and in-house print services. Uh, we will have notary services on site. So we're really making a, an effort to allow customers to get all of their work done in one place. We are developing a new cashiering system um, 
and I'll show you a picture of one of the pieces in a second, but uh, that system will allow customers to, um, to interact uh, with paying departments in the same consistent way. And we're hoping to uh, expand and do more training services for customers on key services. So before the pandemic, uh, we were doing customer trainings on electronic plan review. Uh, we weren't able to do those in person as planned, but uh, we are really excited to make use of some of this great space here and find ways to bring training and um, development opportunities to our customers um, and, and help them learn how to use our services better and frankly learn more from them so that we can be better. Capabilities for those deliveries um, include an experienced and friendly customer service team. So we've hired a group of, uh, we will be 10 by early 2021 of trained and experienced customer service professionals from various industries that are currently working on the permit center floor. Um, they will uh, really become a conduit between all of the departments, learning services about all of the agencies that are here and being able to help customers um, with a broad set of questions and, um, and work with them so that we you know, just have a unifying thread customer service thread across all of these departments when somebody comes into the building. Uh, we have a state-of-the-art queuing system that we're working with, and we'll continue to work on more digital services to provide streamlined, uh, friendly, and efficient experiences. Uh, next slide, please. And just some quick pictures. Oop, one of the pictures flipped on its side. Um, Oh, actually, two of them did. Okay, well, that's no fun. Maybe let's not linger on these. And when you come, you'll you'll see it in person. The kind of crazy. Oh, and these pictures went crazy too on the conversion. Um, left hand side is our queuing system, and right hand side is a very squished up picture of the payment kiosk. So part of our payment deliver uh, payment solution delivery will be uh, we have a traditional point of sale system like a cash register. Um, very, very fancy cash register, but we also have payment kiosks to allow customers to just run in and make a payment if they have it, if they've received an invoice and be done. Or if they don't want to wait in line, that they can make a payment and uh, get, grab the receipt and walk away. Um, next slide, please. And, oh, and next slide, please. Let's see if, how my timeline held up. Uh, so this was just a quick um, kind of overview of the Permit Center journey. Really, it began in um, uh, 2018 when the Permit Center director was hired. And she spent, you know, probably about three months really learning and doing research and analysis on our space and going through um, volumes of information that the controller's office had put together on the department services and potential use of the space. And once she learned that information, she began hiring up our team and then we got to work. And we spent much of 2019 putting the permit center together. So procuring systems, doing research, working with service designers to understand um, customer experiences and to develop, um, you know, develop and, and implement and re-envision how our services should work. Um, early 2020, we began rolling out electronic plan review, training staff, training customers. Um, 
moving materials and getting ready to launch that. And then the pandemic hit. And that really, like everybody else, threw us for a loop. So it, it, it uh, meant we needed to pause a lot of the work we were doing. Um, we shifted resources and really spent a lot of our summer on two things. One, we had to continue to move. Um, there was a timeline that we were obligated to meet. So, uh, you know, thousands of employees moved into the building, um, and we were part of each one of the moves, uh, working with Public Works and the Real Estate Division um, on miscellaneous pieces. A lot of it was IT-related, but getting everybody settled and getting their, getting their desks ready. Um, and then in addition, we reallocated a lot of our resources to the Department of Building Inspection to assist them. Um, and then towards the end of August, early September, things settled down. Um, I, you know, we got into our groove of how work was going to continue through the pandemic. Um, and so that allowed us to expand and add more in-person services. So. Um, in addition to doing plan drop-offs for over-the-counter work, um, and you know we have a lot of resources that are assisting with appointment services for DBI. We're also assisting with bringing in fire-only uh, permit customers, and the environmental health has added um, appointments that uh, we help bring their customers in safely and get them to the environmental health uh, folks. Public Works has added drop-off services and. Um, we're a part of, part of that as well. And we were hoping to um, open up to in-person over-the-counter services this winter. Unfortunately, um, we're, we pulled back on that for health and safety reasons. We will revisit it sometime early January. We'll just continue to monitor the, um, the COVID rates and adjust. And again, a lot of this has been really fluid. I will say the staff across all of the departments have been Pretty fantastic, um, doing their best to, to work in a really unstable environment. Things change from week to week, and uh, they have been doing you know their best to keep up. We try to weave in and out as much as we can and pick up slack for uh, whatever the departments need. But really, our, our main focus has been customer service and making sure that we keep the in-person customers moving and keep the appointments flowing for DBI. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, and then this is just an overview of the work we have to finish out this fiscal year. So we're, you know, still pretty busy. Uh, a lot of operations work to expand in-person services. Um, we are starting to talk about putting the floor back to its pre pandemic state, um, which is going to be like moving everybody all over again. Um, so starting to scope that work and plan for that timing and be ready to execute on it quickly when we get the green light to reopen. Uh, we're working on a lot of permit data right now and trying to help make the permitting process more transparent to everyone, internal and external, um, and help people answer the question of where's my permit um, in a much quicker and, and more succinct fashion. We will be launching the cashiering system next month, and we will we'll launch the print center sometime before the end of the fiscal year. Lots of customer service initiatives continue. Um, I think that's going to be an ever-evolving 
um, area as we learn more from customers and we add more services. I think the big thing is we will be adding a customer experience um, solution so that we can hopefully build some um, um, automated bots to respond to questions and inquiries quicker and build a knowledge base to provide more information to customers at their fingertips. Um, and then um, I'm going to skip the strategic planning. That's just, you know, stuff that we're, ever, we're constantly doing um, as we learn more and, and change. And then we'll also pick up special business and special events work towards the end of the year. So we want to resume the uh, uh, the events planning work that we were doing. We need to reconfirm which business services are coming into the space. Again, I think a lot of things have changed for the department as they brought more services online. Um, and so that will help us create a post-pandemic service plan and, and understand what our new world is. And that, uh, that's the Permit Center in, in a few minutes. I will take a breath there and see if anybody has any questions. Sorry, I muted myself. Commissioner Yakutio. Uh, looks like he may have stepped away for just a second. I'm here. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Can you hear me? Uh, we can, yes. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, I'm in my small business right now, and there was something that just happened. This is Commissioner Yakutio. Uh, thank you so much, Rebecca, for that presentation. I have a couple questions. Um, I uh, actually pulled up my photograph of me in the planning building with my plans um, for when I recently did this just a couple years ago, and all of these memories flooded back. And I am so excited about this. Uh, as someone that recently moved his plans through the process himself, I did it without uh, help of anyone. I just went in and did it alone. Um, I can still feel the sweaty armpits of nervousness and anxiety uh, that I had sitting uh, in that building. A couple of quick questions. One um, is where will PIC be as it relates to the new permit center? Um, so PIC is actually, uh, it's on the permit center floor. I'm trying to like explain this without the floor plan in front of me. They actually will be sitting sort of in the if you in the floor plan, kind of in the bottom middle of the floor, they are okay. they are literally in the middle of the floor, though, so, so easy to get okay. to. And it's on the same floor as all the different uh, counters. Yes, exactly. So they That's will awesome. be like five of the seventy counters that are that are available. Okay, um, great. That is helpful. Um, it looked like from the floor plan, and I guess we'll see this when we visit it in person, that each of the different. Uh, departments have kind of a different sectioned off area. Mm -hmm. I did find that well, one thing that was helpful of having all the counters in one area is when something was a little amiss in one department, sometimes they would shout out to the other department and say, hey, can you come over here for a second and take a look at this? Um, so I guess that, that ability to have all the different departments in one area is going to be lost in this plan, but you get more overall tables. Is that correct? That's correct. So that's the, the, floor space is much bigger, but what we are going to give you, um, because we're sp more spread out, is that you have this Cracker Jack set of customer service reps mm -hmm. that can help move you around the floor or help um, act as runners 
frankly, in between the departments. So if a customer needs something or if a department needs something, you've got this team of people that are ready to jump and assist the customers and the staff. That is great. Uh, when I was when when the occupation and permit expediter was explained to me, to me it felt so sad that we even needed to have people who did this. And so I'm really glad that there are going to be people on staff that'll help um, answer questions of folks like me who just you know are competent but just need to figure out you know where to go first and then next. A couple more quickies. One, um, DPH, if I remember correctly, in order to get um, the DPH set of permits for moving through plan check, you had to physically go to DPH to do that which was near um, Civic Center. So I saw DPH tables in the new permit center. Does that mean that DPH, in order to get their permits, um, you don't have to go to DPH, you can just go, you can get it all done in the same place? Yes, yes. so they should actually be sitting on the floor um, and looking, they should be one of the routing stations. So your plans can actually be walked over to somebody if you have physical plans and they can stamp them. I hope, I hope that um, really what we're dealing with though is that you have an electronic set of plans and right. all of the departments are in a session together and they can electronically stamp them for you. Right, the, um, there was something quite satisfying about a physical stamp, but I understand <laughs> um, that it's more sustainable and probably easier. So does that mean that the assembly permits with fire, you won't have to go to second street anymore? Exactly, oh, exactly. Fire has, fire has a, they will have both their second street staff and their, um, their former 1660 Street or Mission Street folks all in one space together. Honestly, I just have to say for folks who have also gone through this, having requiring folks to physically go to DPH and then fire and then a notary, you're going to have a, your own notary in the same area. I mean, hello, I had to go to find a notary in San Francisco. It was like so complicated. Um, so I'm so glad to hear that Second Street Fire Assembly permits will be on one floor. Excited that the PIC is going to be on the same floor. And did I hear you correctly that there will be on-site notary services? Yes, there will be on-site notary services. Oh We're getting God. certified uh, hopefully in January. Oh, my God. This is so amazing. Okay, my last question, and maybe it's too late for this, is, um, you know, the process of, get, of moving through plan check can take a long time. For me, I was there, I remember I got there at nine and I left at five o'clock. And in the old planning building, there were no concessions and no nearby restaurants um, of any kind. And for, if you have a low blood sugar like me and you get hungry, it was tough. And so I'm wondering, and you can't leave because they call out your name. Um, and if you miss them calling out your name, you're screwed. So um, will there be concessions in this new uh, floor plan at all? Like a, a snack bar or something? So I have a, a two-part answer to your to your question. Um, one is no, there will not be concessions here. The next door to us, in the residential tower, uh, there is a retail space for a cafe. I unfortunately, with the pandemic, I don't know if it's the same vendor that was selected previously, but it is expected that there will be a a cafe or restaurant space with a few feet from us. But we also have um, a a wonderful queuing system called Queueless. Uh, that will let you leave. And oh, my God. We're, and we're planning on using that um, even during the pandemic so that customers can wait in their car or safely, you know, wait away from the permit center so that we can limit the amount of people that we have on the floor. But that will allow you to leave and go to the market if you want and get a lovely salad or a coffee. And then you'll have anywhere between 
you know, five and 15 minutes to come back to the permit center once you're, once you're summoned. It well, interacts they, with your cell phone and your email. Well, the tech, cell phone and email. So for my fellow commissioners who haven't had the, on, the, you know, the distinct pleasure of going through this recently, it's kind of like the DMV where you wait for a long time, like you put in your name and then someone calls out your name. And if you miss it, they just go to the next person and you lose your spot. And so there were a lot of people, the question about concessions actually is an important one because if you had to get up to get water or get a bite to eat or use the restroom and they, they, didn't, they, they called your name and you missed it, that was it. And that happened to me a couple of times and it was so sad. So it's really, really exciting to hear that there's a queuing system. Too bad there's no um, snack bar on premises, on premises, but the fact that you can leave solves that problem. Thank you very much. This is exciting. Great. You're very welcome. Commissioner, uh, sorry, excuse me, Vice President of Zazunas. Thank you so much for your presentation. And um, yeah, I'm very excited about this permit center. The goodwill that used to be there provided a lot of customers to the to the businesses in the area. And uh, I know a lot of them are looking forward to having a customer base nearby again. So I, I would I don't know if you had this number in your earlier slides, but I'm curious, what's the maximum goal for um, number of employees that you uh, believe are going to be uh, working at the permit center? Uh, so actually presently, because uh, I just had to do this for the health and safety plan, we have up to 80 employees on the floor um, right now, and that's during the pandemic. Um, we, wow. it'll, and it'll probably be about the same. I mean, DBI is working at maximum capacity right now, as is the permit center team. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, and then with the building full, I, I honestly, I don't know. It's in, it's thousands of employees that will end up staffing the, the building once it's open again. That's great. That's great. And, um, you know, to answer Commissioner Cotiel's question, there are a lot of businesses literally across the street, adjacent, um, down an alleyway. So this is uh, a hot spot for, for small um, family-owned cafes and food trucks. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited for them to be able to uh, retain some of the customers coming through. And we hope that the customer representatives also give people recommendations uh, for nearby, nearby spots to go while they're waiting for their name to pop up. And I'm excited for the tour on, on Friday. So thank you so much. I wish I had known you, uh, Commissioner Suzunis, when I was going through plan check, I would have texted you and asked for recommendations. Sorry about that. Yeah, my family's place is literally down the alleyway from the permit center. So <laughs> there's, there's, um, we're excited to have a customer base again. Like I said, the Goodwill folks were, were like family for a while. So looking forward. Great. Uh, so um, any other commissioner comment? Uh, so this is something the small business community has been waiting for for a long, long time. Uh, and is represents a sea change in how the city does business. And it's going to be fascinating uh, in the wake of the pandemic, how much, uh, uh, you know, business as a whole and the city's business has moved offline uh, into work from home. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that 
uh, plays into this. Uh, and I think uh, regardless, there's certainly always going to be a need uh, for in-person services. And uh, uh, I'm sure I, uh, the rest of the commission agrees with me. Uh, Godspeed, uh, you have our, our full support. And if there's anything we can do to help, uh, we'd certainly be uh, glad to do so. But the, the plans as presented uh, certainly look like a great starting point uh, for moving forward. And uh, let's uh, uh, continue to stay in touch. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, by summer, we're uh, starting to get back into uh, being able to go in person and, and be indoors together and, and start to have a normal life again. Thank you very much. Likewise, I, I think, you know, we hope to be able to partner uh, with you and really need um, for us to thrive and do well, need data and input from external entities to tell us how we're doing and where things need to be better, um, what things are working and what things are not. And so we welcome the feedback and, you know, looking forward to, you know, a great partnership in the future. Absolutely. We're, we're committed to being a, a, a friendly and um, positive partner in uh, making that happen. And, and as you and I well know, um, no matter what plans we make, they're going to fall apart and be uh, uh, completely broken the second we uh, hit the ground running. Um, and I'm sure we'll have lots more input when that happens. But um, uh, what you've presented so far looks like great work. Uh, and I'm really excited to see it happen. And, and it's hard to imagine uh, how this wouldn't be a substantial improvement on how things were before. And Mr. President, before we absolutely close out the item, I just wanted to make one note um, in terms of the Office of Small Business Space. We're really excited that we've been included in the Permit Center. Um, and we're there because we know that businesses, they're going to hear about the one-stop Permit Center and go there, but they're going to go before they're really ready to engage in their permitting. They're doing their research and development. And so we're, our space is there to really kind of catch those businesses because um, often they need a conversation to help them think through um, all the considerations um, before they engage with the department. So, um, and there are many other considerations that in terms of operating a business that's not just related to um, permitting, just the you know permitting to get your business open. So we're really excited to have space there to kind of be a value add for departments to be able to direct individuals to so that they don't have to go to uh, City Hall and walk the three blocks to City Hall to be able to get their questions answered. Um, our presence won't be there until likely. I mean, it, Rebecca will give a, um, will give me an idea, but we likely won't be there until the permit center is fully operational. Just because until there's no longer requirement around the social distancing protocols, um, so that will be uh, you know a ways away. But we will be there, and we're very excited about it. Now, Director, will this be um, supplemental to the City Hall location? In other words, will people be able to go to both locations or will it uh, be in replace of? It will be supplemental. Okay. So they'll be able to go to both places. Are there um, 
just for my future uh, note, are, are there um, are there any staffing or budgetary changes that will have to happen to the office to small business to accommodate that, or are we good to go with the folks we have right now? We may need to take give that consideration. Um, right now, the plan is to have staff rotate, hmm. um, and then we'll be able to make a determination. Um, as to the volume, both um, if we begin to see an increased volume of service needs by having the two locations, um, we'll be making that determination. Great. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, I suppose we should go to public comment. Um, are there any public commenters on the line? There is no one in the queue at this time. Great. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. Any further questions? Uh, Comments, commissioners? Seeing none. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming and, and uh, persevering through uh, the technical issues. Uh, we appreciate the update and look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you very much. All right. Look forward to seeing you later this week, too. <laughs> Next item, please. Item four, proposed special committee on racial equity and subsequent appointments. Article 5 of the Small Business Commission's Rules of Order establishes that special or ad hoc committees may be formed for a limited duration and for a specific purpose. The president shall designate for a commissioner to serve as chair of any special committee. The chair shall work with the president, with the director, to accomplish the said task, unless, unless the commission specifies otherwise. The president is empowered to appoint members to special committees. The committee may be formed by a majority vote of the commission. Discussion and action item. All right. Um, so this is important work uh, for the commission and is central to our mission. Um, and uh, I know, uh, you know, this is this is something we all care very deeply about. Um, so. Where uh, I feel like we started to talk about um, who might uh, want to participate in such a committee, but I'm, uh, Director, can you um, remind me of where we left things, last left things, or did we last leave things? Um, uh, yes, Mr. President. Um, so where we last left things was in August, um, your recommendation that the commission um, have members um, work on the equity work in between meetings so that we, um, because our meetings are full, um, not necessarily taking meeting time to do some of the work. Mm -hmm. um, and at my uh, recommendation, my recommendation was to consider um, com Vice President Commissioner Zuzunis Commissioner mm -hmm. Huey and Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena as being the um, special committee members. And um, all three have said, yes, they're interested in participating um, to do the work that's laid out, not only in what's required of, the, of reporting to the Office of Racial Equity, but if there's any additional work that also the committee, the commission, the committee and the commission thinks that the commission should um, take up. Great. So yes. the first step would just be the official formation of 
establishing a committee does not necessarily have to have the members identified, but that the okay. commission it approves that that special committee is formed. Okay. And uh, do we vote to create the committee or is that just? Um... Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, so should, um, would it be acceptable at this time to make a motion to form the committee? Yes. Okay. Um, I, um, I... You'd have to take public comment first. Okay. Are there any public commenters on the line? There is no one in the queue at this time. Seeing none, public comment is closed. I'd be delighted to make the motion to form the committee. I will second that motion. Forgot to unmute myself. Motion by Commissioner Laguana to form a committee on racial equity. Seconded by Commissioner Adams. Roll call vote, Commissioner Adams. Yes. Commissioner Dooley. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. Commissioner Laguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. Commissioner Yucutio. Yes. Commissioner Zizunis. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero with no absent. So, um, Director, before we move to the next item, um, Real quick, uh, just uh, just so I'm, I'm clear on sort of procedure and process, when do we designate members? What is the process for designating members? When do the members meet? When will the members uh, uh, report back to the commission? Um, give me some sense of the timeline so I can make sure the agenda is properly uh, reflects our, our obligations. Um, yes, so um, the committee, the commission, the rules of order does not speak to uh, an absolute requirement for the commission to vote on the committee members. So it is, it is, um, but can, right? Um, and because it's a special committee, um, this, the, based upon the work that the, the special committee will do, there, there could be a time where other, it might be behoove having other members come in that are not made up of the committee and that is to your discretion now that the special committee would be made. So right now in terms of the appointment who sits on it kind of lies formally with you and establishing who is the chair uh, of the commission. Um, so I hope that that, that answers your question, um, okay. right? And then in terms of um, setting the timelines. Um, so the timelines for the work that the commission has to meet for the Office of Racial Equity, the, it, the work is to be done between January and June of, um, of 2021. The first key metric to meet is amending the bylaws to reflect racial equity, and that is due to the Office of Racial Equity in March. Okay. The remaining items are um, to be done and completed by the end of June. Okay. Um, so in terms of next steps, pretty much everything happens offline um, until the, the committee reports back. Correct. Okay, great. Um, great, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll follow up with that then offline. Um, 
and uh, in, unless uh, there's further uh, commissioner discussion, up. Oh, sorry, uh, I didn't mean to skip over you, Commissioner Adams. Oh, you? Thank you, uh, President Laguana. No, no problem. Um, we used to do these um, committees a lot back when in my early days on this commission. Um, they are very helpful. Um, it is at your discretion who goes on them. I do believe um, Director Dick and Dreesy, the, the meetings though with the appointees have to be minuted in public, correct? Yes. Yeah, and that's the only thing, but they, they, they will help you more than you realize. And, and the choices, the three that who wanna do it are excellent choices. So any support I can give to this, I will. Thank you. I, I concur on the choices and I also concur on, um, I, I think the output's gonna be extraordinarily, extraordinary and extraordinarily helpful. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it very much. Uh, Vice President Zazunas. Uh, thank you, President Laguna and everyone. I'm I'm looking forward to this formation. I think it will help centralize some of the work. Uh, those of us commissioners who were uh, recommended to work on this committee do outside of the commission already in our respective, whether it's our you know an ethnic trade association or um, an equity neighborhood that we focus on. So I'm excited to kind of um, you know institutionalize that work a bit further. I'm also interested in understanding the obligations that the Office of Small Business has in terms of their equity reporting and so that we can kind of um, line up some of our goals and our and our work on that and also, you know, be informed with the kind of um, issue areas that you're finding um, in the office during intake processes. So. Um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say for now. But we'll we'll talk logistics and next steps offline. Great, that sounds perfect. Thank you so much, and uh, uh, thank you to the uh, committee members for stepping up and taking on this additional responsibility. I know we've all just taken on an awful lot, so um, uh, this is and and this is a big job. So uh, appreciate you doing this. Um, any other commissioner comments? Okay, uh, seeing none, uh, next item please. Item five, resolution number 2020-003, support for nightlife and entertainment venues. Resolution establishing the commission support for nightlife and entertainment venues and urging the mayor and board of supervisors to provi provide economic relief. Discussion and action item. Great. So, uh, commissioners, you've received the draft resolution in your packets. Um, this is a follow-up to the entertainment uh, agenda item that we had last week. Uh, this is a, a resolution that will support this industry, which I know we all agree is, is a pillar to our city and it's an invaluable cultural asset. Um, has uh, Presumably, everybody's had time to review. Uh, if you have any questions, now's a good time. Um, I did want to mention that our clerk has also sub submitted a few amendments that address some non-substantive changes um, and make sure that we're amenable to those changes. Uh, but uh, now's a good time to talk.
talk about the resolution in front of us if you have any questions or comments. Um, through the president, this is Dominica Donovan, the senior policy analyst and drafter of the resolution. I have three amendments um, that I would like to submit for the resolution. The first being in the seventh paragraph um, and the first sentence, place of entertainment um, should be capitalized on the 8th <laughs> just for the record i want to make sure that's established since you don't have them in front of you um on the eighth paragraph i wanted to also include and apologies for not having this included initially um but that um entertainment and nightlife businesses also include many bars live music venues and nightclubs um and are highly concerned that their businesses would need to close permanently i wanted to make sure that that is also included in the resolution um in the next paragraph the ninth paragraph um i'd also like to add um that same language that bars live music venues nightclubs are also concerned that they will need to close permanently and in addition um more than half of survey respondents to the entertainment commission industry survey uh, reported having lost between 75 and 100 percent of their expected business income income and between 75 and 100 percent of their expected individual income for the year 2020 so that is what i will be adding into the resolution if the commissioners are amenable to that do we need to take a vote on it yes okay uh i move that we take a vote on it <laughs> I move that we accept the amendments as, as, as recommended. I have a point of, sorry, point of procedure question. Um, if I have a amendment that I would like to add to, is this, should we do it now or vote twice? Um, you may do it now. Okay. So there's, right. And just before we do that, we need to take public comment and there should Director Dickendrizzi, as far as I understand, there should only be one vote to approve the resolution with amendments as presented. Is that correct? Yes. So all the amendments, uh, the proposed amendments should be presented now. Then we have uh, an um, uh, actually, yes, public comment on the amendments and then uh, action on the amendments. Actually, sorry. Public amendments are presented, and then public comment on the amendments and um, and the uh, resolution because you need to hear the public as to whether they want to urge you to accept those amendments, and then um, and then action on the amendments, action on the full resolution. So, are there two votes or one vote? My understanding is that there is generally one vote. It's two votes. You have to take a vote to accept the amendments and then a vote on the full. So on the full, uh, on the resolution with the amendments. So Commissioner Zizuna should make uh, state her proposed amendments and then we open it up to, and if, and if there are any others that commissioners have and then open it up to public comment. So public comment is after the, all the amendments. Uh, do we vote before public comment or vote after public comment? 
you vote after public comment because you want to hear right. whether the public wants to yeah. have Sorry. you accept those amendments or not. The, the question answers itself. I apologize. Um, Vice President Sassinas, do you want to make your proposed amendment? Yes, thank you. Um, the only comment that I wanted to add, and if it's amenable, we can vote on it, is um, a line that just gives recognition to uh, entertainment value uh, venues that are part of cultural districts or that are cultural, um, culturally significant, but not in a cultural district. Since I know we have a lot that are um, specific to kind of community communities, um, and I feel like we should have some line in there recognizing that. Okay. What What would you like to say? Um, let's see. I, I mean, I think we, it can go after the, one of the sentences in which we recognize entertainment districts or entertainment venues are culturally significant to San Francisco. And then we can, um, elaborate and say specifically, um, venues that hold a cultural significance in, um, vulnerable communities or are part of cultural districts. So would this go in the whereas? I, I, I think so. I would see, and Dominica, since you're the drafter of the resolution, that it might go in after the whereas, where it says uh, the, uh, on the second, no, the first page, the whereas, entertainment nightlife businesses are historical pillars of San Francisco's unique cultural and uh, cultural and contribute significantly to the vibrancy of the city. So after that one is where I would see. Sure. So uh, perhaps the line would say something um, uh, Whereas many of our uh, entertainment and nightlife businesses are of special cultural significance to the cultural districts they reside in or um, the communities that they were founded in, something like that. Mm -hmm. Domenica, did you get that? Yes. Okay. Uh, so do we need to vote on these amendments now or to uh, public comment? Sorry, I, you, you can tell me like five different times and I still won't remember. Um, is, do, is there any uh, additional uh, commissioner uh, comment before we go to public comment? I just want to say, <clears throat> uh, Commissioner, I mean, uh, President Laguana, this is exactly what this commission should be doing. This is a very powerful statement. It needs to be said. We need to start pushing more envelopes. Um, I don't know about any of you, but after that presentation last week, I couldn't sleep. All right, this really bothered me, and I'm so happy that we're doing this. Um, you know, we all want to be law-abiding. We all want to do what's right in this pandemic. We all want to follow the law and do what is right, but these people are getting screwed, excuse my language, and um, 
it just breaks my heart. And, th and this commission is doing exactly what it should be doing with this and just pushing this envelope and pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, and I commend each and every one of you for this. And thank you, President Laguana, for having these people speak last week. Um, we need we we gotta we gotta start hearing more of this because right now uh, we're in trouble, folks. If, if something doesn't happen sooner than later. So, um, but I, I read this. I thought it was excellently written, and and I really appreciate these amendments that you all are put, putting in. It's, and thank you, uh, Vice President Sazunas. This is good. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Adams. Um, I think uh, lion's share of the credit here goes to our excellent clerk uh, for uh, drafting, um, doing the lion's share of the drafting of this uh, resolution, um, building on, on some language that have been provided to us by the entertainment coalitions. Um, I share your uh, feelings about the entertainment community and, and the testimony we heard last week. Um, and I think your suggestion that we hear more direct testimony from people affected um, is a good suggestion and, and we would be wise to uh, follow up on that. Um, in this moment, I this community is just decimated and uh, not just the entertainment community, but the, the small business community as a whole. And uh, we really have a, a tremendous obligation and responsibility to do everything we can to advocate for them because that's what this commission was chartered to do. Um, so um, I'm frankly uh, deeply proud of, of uh, the commission uh, and, and the commissioners that I serve with and, and the staff of the OSB that we can take testimony uh, from folks and, and turn around with a resolution that we can all get behind just a, a short time later. Uh, and so uh, with that, uh, I think uh, we should go to public comment. Now, if I understand this correctly, and I probably have already managed to mingle it, uh, public comment will first be on the amendments. And then we will take a second round of public comment on the uh, uh, resolution as a whole. Is, is that correct? No, uh, Mr. President, you can hear public comment on both items. Okay. Um, so you want to, yeah. So the public is able to make comment on the full resolution and um, and make comment on the proposed amendments. Okay. And then after public comment, then you would take those amendments, vote on those, and then vote on the final resolution. Okay. One of these days, I'll learn how to do stuff. Um, Commissioner Yukudio, I guess we'll have more comment after the public comment, or should we? Uh... Well, it's about a potential amendment. Oh my God, really? <laughs> well, it's more a question, Commissioner Laguana, this is Commissioner Coutillo. Um, yeah. Can you just, can you, and perhaps the, uh, and Dominica can explain why a particular new number amount was not included in uh, the financial desires? I'm sure there was a reason for it. You know, I, I always feel like giving specifics is useful, but I also, I'm sure there was a reason why we didn't include in the resolution how much money we felt this community needed in financial support. Um, if I may speak to that through the president, this is Dominica Donovan, the senior policy analyst. I um, read the SFNU coalition's um, package of recommendations. I also um, drafted and helped 
um, form our commission's recommendation to the mayor and to the board of supervisors regarding federal um, economic stimu stimulus and relief. Um, there is not one number that I believe would satisfy the need for this industry that the city could likely um, could likely provide um, writ large. Like this 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 industry is 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 decimated. I don't know that there is a one for one that could be provided. Um, with that being said, I did you know want to include that from the entertainment. Um, from the survey, from the um, entertainment and night, the entertainment and nightlife survey, uh, the, these businesses, 318 of them reported that they can expect up to a 100% loss of their personal income and their, and their revenue for the entire year. Um, with respect to that, one may infer that that is what, I mean, uh, <laughs> $318 million dollars. $400 million at the very least. I mean, these businesses I'm sure are making more, are grossing more than 1 million per year in order to pay for their staff and and their own personal expenses. Um, so that was my thinking behind it. If the commission would like to include a specific amount that is 100% that is up to you. Um, but just given the fact that there, I don't know that there is going to be any one for one number that would meet the the need. You're muted. Oh, right. Uh, this is Commissioner Yakutiel. I totally understand that logic and it makes a lot of sense. I just know that other departments uh, and frankly <clears throat> industries are asking for certain dollar amounts based on conjecture, but Mm -hmm. um, and they understand that from a negotiating point, it, 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 it may put them in a much stronger place. Um, and what we heard loud and clear from the last meeting last week was that they need money. You know, like they need to not be evicted, which is great. But like the, the one of the main crux of the issues with these venues is that they have very high fixed overhead costs that aren't going away. And commercial eviction is one piece of it. Um, but we need to put money in these people's in these people's banks bank accounts so they can pay their bills, you know. So I don't know how to square this circle. Um, I, I I understand how like it, it feels a little bit like pulling a number out of a hat. Um, we did hear forty eight million in the last that was on the proposal, but that's a lot of money. Um, and also maybe if you if you apply, you can't apply that's just those particular venues that doesn't apply to all folks with entertainment. So. A lot of very intelligent people went uh, crafted this resolution. I, I'm not proposing uh, a specific <laughs> amendment, but I did want to put it out there that it, I do think it puts us in a little bit of a tougher negotiating spot when we don't at least put a range or wouldn't it be nice if, or we expect the financial uh, ruin to equate to X amount because um, it then I think it makes it a little bit harder for the elected officials to know exactly how much they should be ballparking or advocating for. We also included um, Commissioner Yucatil in that letter to the mayor and to the board of supervisors that they effectively advocate for um, $10 billion in set-asides for PPP loans for San Francisco small businesses specifically. And then we also had another section within that letter that spoke 
um, to the specific needs of the entertainment and nightlife businesses and that grants be um, established specifically for independent venues for the those expenses that you just mentioned. I see. Um, so that was in the supplemental e ERTF rec letter. Letter of the ask of, of the Fed. I, you know. We can't, we just can't as, as a commission advocate for a specific dollar amount from directly to, to the federal government. We have to do that through the, right. the board. Right. 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 But, but if I may, um, so Commissioner Yukuya, as, as, as always, um, you, you have a very sharp and pointed um, suggestion that um, no, uh, I mean that in in the in the best possible way. I, I love uh, holding feet to the fire and and um, you know really trying to put a specific number on it. Um, you know there there's a lot of uh, business theory about setting an anchor price um, and, and negotiating from there. The challenge with respect to this particular resolution, um, in my view, is uh, the 908 bill uh, for federal stimulus, and that's what they're calling it now. It's a, a bipartisan agreement, and I, I just got the uh, draft language. And really, it's a $700 billion bill because now they've they've taken out the aid to the cities and the uh, liability, and the, the, that's spun out into a separate bill so that this bill doesn't get uh, caught up in that. Um, but the 700 bill includes 300 billion for PPP, uh, which will allow first round PPP recipients to go back and get a, a second round. Um, and so I think part of the conundrum here for me, and I, I think that there's also some stuff for um, other expenditures, and I guess part of the conundrum here for me is when we're literally just days, uh, you know, potentially hours away from a there being a dramatic change in the amount of money that's both available to the city and the amount of money that's available to these businesses, it seems premature to um, specify an amount when, when things could be just dramatically different tomorrow. Now, with that being said, maybe that's the wrong take on it. Maybe you just um, you just put a number out there. And, uh, but I also try to balance, I mean, from my take on it is, is I also want the, the, the commission to have credibility. Right. Um, and, and, and don't wanna make uh, ask that, make the, the commission look like we're, we're not in touch with um, the, the other side of the, the balance sheet. Yeah, that, that point well taken. This is Commissioner Yakutiel. And again, I'm not, um, I see this document as a kind of a guiding document for our advocacy as a commission uh, to the, you know, the folks who are making uh, decisions on behalf of this community. Um, and so uh, the next question, if I, after someone gets this is, okay, well, how much, right? And so as long as we seem to have a good answer to that question, if asked, um, whether it's you, Commissioner Laguana, or Director Dick Andrizi, well, how much money does this to the entertainment community need, which would likely be a follow-up question to something like this, then great. Um, if we did want to add an, a, a language, which I'm not, I'm not actually necessarily proposing, it could be something to the effect of the San Francisco Venue Coalition has estimated the amount needed to fully plug the hole 
to be in the estimated $48 million, something like that. So it's actually not us saying the Small Business Commission, but really passing off the work that was done by the coalition that presented last week and saying, you know, the San Francisco Venue Coalition has estimated that the amount of relief that they require would be some would be $48 million. So that at least, you know, if a member of the Board of Supervisors decides to take this into a budget committee meeting, it can say, you know, I heard that they need at least 48 million to plug the hole. I think uh, that's a reasonable suggestion. So um, why don't we put that in the uh, whereas um, as an, an additional amendment, uh, whereas the uh, uh, entertainment venue coalition, sorry, I'm mingling their name, but- um, I think it was the San Francisco Venue Coalition, not the independent. Yeah, they're different. Yes, yes, I understand. So, whereas the uh, San Francisco Venue Coalition uh, determined that uh, the entertainment community would need $48 million in order to uh, sustain itself uh, through this next phase of the pandemic. Yeah, the only wrinkle to that is uh, that was specifically for venues. And the um, resolution expands. It's not just venues, right, Commissioner. Yeah, that's right. It's other things. Well, so we're, 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 we have a bit of a conundrum here uh, in that the, the number that's been floated um, is for a subset of the, of the group that we're uh, doing yes. a resolution on, and we're lacking data to you know, okay. make a, an informed decision about that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to, have, to have caused a wrinkle in this, Commissioner Laguana. Um, <laughs> for instance, Manny's has an entertainment permit. Hmm. But uh, I doubt, I don't think that it would, I mean, I, we are a venue, but I guess we're a little bit of a special snowflake in that regard. But um, I don't know, uh, Director DeCandrizi, do you think adding in the numbers from the vote venue coalition at this in this resolution would add teeth needed or do you think it's distracting and unnecessary before the director answers let me uh you know i think i actually i i have a, a better path okay. uh, potentially um i've but, missed this by the way what's that i've missed the sparring <laughs> um why don't we move forward with the resolution as drafted and then um, let's make a commitment uh, to revisit this in uh, our first meeting in January. Um, and it can be a quick agenda item. And at that point, we will know uh, a couple different things. One, we'll, we'll know what, if anything, the Board of Soups have, have done for entertainment venues to date. We'll know what the federal government has done to date. Uh, and we will have uh, perhaps a, a better sense from uh, the entertainment community uh, what they think they might need to get through the next four, four to five months. And then we can make a, an additional resolution because we're not limited to making just one resolution. We can make another resolution uh, that is a lot more specific and we can use the time remaining between now and then to put a finer number on this. Uh, that's a, with a, a little more basis and a little more research than we're able to do right now during this hearing. Okay, sounds good. Great. Um, I'm by me. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, my my pleasure as always. Um, are, is there any other amendments before we move to public comment? Are we a hundred percent sure there's no more amendments? 
Commissioner Yakutio, I see your lips moving. <laughs> I thought you were making another amendment. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Yeah. no, no more amendments. I'm amendmented out. <laughs> okay. Uh, can we, uh, are there any public commenters on the line? We have three callers currently on the line. Nope, four. Wonderful. Great. Let's hear from them. Hi, thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak. I'm calling in support of the San Francisco Venue Coalition, and I'd like to say that this resolution is near and dear to my heart. Um, my name is Richard Wilson. I've made this my career over the past 20 years. I've been a street level promoter, stagehand, I've worked in operations, and I've been the head of security, lastly, for August Hall, a local San Francisco venue. Um, the San Francisco nightlife and music scene has not only kept me employed, it has literally been my life. We are suffering. There are no remote work options for us like there are in the tech industry. We rely on the ability to gather in public for our industry. The outlook for the future seems bleak. We are the first industry to take a hit and we will be the last industry to come back. Um, when public gatherings are once again safe, which who knows when that's going to be. Um, while many of us from the industry are personally struggling, I can assure you all, um, we need stages to come back to when the public gatherings are safe again. There are stagehands, ushers, bartenders, janitors, bookers, promoters, security, lighting and sound people. We all need your help. And that's all I have to say. Thank you for your comment. Next commenter, please. Hi, Commission. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to take up this matter again. My name is Rob Reddy. We spoke uh, last week, and I'm calling in to urge you to do two things. The first of which is to A, pass this resolution in support of entertainment and nightlife. It is vitally important to the city's culture. And B, I'm urging you to draft a second resolution that is specific to venues. Um, as Commissioner Iketiel pointed out, um, we've done quite a bit of research at the SF Venue uh, Coalition um, and have come up with a very specific list of um, actionable items that will specifically help save venues in this city. Um, and that's specifically what we need your help with. We need you guys to kind of step up with that kind of teeth and that kind of backing um, and, and, and bring this to the Board of Supervisors and to the Mayor's office. Um, that should include the $48 million ask um, for direct financial relief and the other measures that we detailed and sent to you. If you want, I have a redline version of the current resolution that I can send to you and will send to you shortly after I get off this call. But again, thank you for all your hard work on this. And again, we urge you to draft something and pass something that is more specific to venues. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Next comment, please. Hear me? Hello, Commission. Um, my name is Allison Moulton, and thank you for hearing me. I'm part of the San Francisco Venue Coalition. I was also the former GM of Bimbo's 365 Club. So, you know, this particular meeting is, is really 
special, near and dear. Um, thank you for all of those kind words in item number two. I mean, you guys know Bimbo's is a very special place. It's unique. It's an irreplaceable room. And you know, the, the truth is, is that Bimbo's has been closed since March. It's one of those venues that hasn't had any options, unlike some restaurants or you know, any other retail stores that have other revenue sources during this pandemic. And, you know, it's just bittersweet to have a legacy business registry on the same night when we're closed and knowing that we're totally on the line. So encouraging to, yes, thank you, to pass this resolution. Let's do it. Let's get that first step. But let's also keep going because... It's true, and thank you, Commissioner Yacadiel. It's, we need funding too. It's, like I said, we're on the line. And I know it's a huge puzzle, and there's budgets and decisions to be made galore, but we really need your help. And I could tell this commission is on board with this. And yeah, please do it for bimbos. I miss that place. So, all right, thank you. And I do urge for that second amendment too. We'll just keep coming to these meetings too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Next commenter, please. Hi, my name is Gabe. Uh, I'm a member of the SFVC as well. Um, and I'd like to thank this commission for its support and urge them to continue by passing this resolution. Um, I would also like uh, to respectfully ask that the commission acknowledge that we are we are hoping for federal aid, but we are looking to this city to contribute to fi uh, to uh, financial uh, contributions to preserve its culture. Um, there is always a question of where the money comes from, and uh, forty eight million dollars is not a small chunk of change. Um, but recently, Supervisor Haney pointed to a city emergency relief fund, and we've also been made aware that the state has a tax surplus. Uh, while I know that this commission does not have jurisdiction to allocate those funds to us, um, you, have, you guys have done a superb job in um, bringing awareness to this issue, and I would just ask that you continue to do so and help us, help us get to those funds so that uh, our staff can return and we can all come back to work and help the city recover. Thank you. Okay, uh, next commenter, please. Uh, hello, thank you. Um, my name is Duncan Wold. I'm also part of the SFVC. A lot of us are here. I'm also a coworker of Rob Reddy's at Piano Fight. Um, and I think you kind of know a lot of the numbers already. I don't really need to, to reiterate all that stuff. Um, I actually kind of want to call my other hat, which is just somebody who's um, grown up in the Bay Area and has been going to shows since I could. My very first show was at Bill Graham Civic Auditorium High School in 1999. Um, I met my wife at a show in the city almost 10 years ago. Uh, this is just sort of like has been a very vital part of my life. I'm sure that is true for many, many, many people. And there's already been a number of closures. I know it's only going to get worse if we lose half our venues that's just like countless incredible memories um some of them hazy that just aren't going to be had anymore so 
anyway, thanks for taking our uh, thanks for taking our cause. I appreciate it, and uh, that's all I got. Thank you so much. Next commenter, please. Yeah, hi, my name is Roger Picone. I'm also with the San Francisco Venue Coalition. And just wanted to say thank you to the Small Business Commission and the commissioners you know, for voting uh, now on hopefully two resolutions uh, in support of independent venues in San Francisco. Um, as you know, independent venues have, are you know, a huge heartbeat of the city and are gonna be vital to the economic and cultural recovery. Um, you know, being the first businesses to close and going to be the very last to reopen, you know, we're staring down um, just massive amounts of debt and bankruptcy. Um, you know, it shows a lot of the tenacity of these people in the city and just how much they know, um, you know, we're worth to hold on to get back. Um, and we might not get back till the summer of fall of uh, 2021. So we're going to see some other venues you know, in San Francisco close for good, and it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, in order to get through to the other side, uh, it's almost going to be 18 months of zero revenue, and it's certainly going to be a patchwork of, you know, city, state, and federal relief. So we do thank you for amplifying, you know, the voice of independent venues in San Francisco. And I, and I say again, zero revenue. You know, I can't think of another business that has not been able to operate since this pandemic began. And, uh, you know, we're truly worried about the plight of these businesses in our community. We're constantly in communication with employees, contractors, vendors, you know, that these businesses employ when we're in operation. Uh, they're hurting, and the pain being felt out there cannot be overstated. You know, we heard these stories from the Venue Coalition last meeting, uh, and they hit home. You know, and thank you to the commissioners and Stephen Adams, you know, for recognizing, you know, how difficult it is to hear these stories. Uh, so we're fighting here in San Francisco, you know, to bring awareness and relief, you know, so that we can survive and help rebuild the city. Independent venues have been, you know, will be vital to recovery to attract people to San Francisco, filling hotel rooms and retail stores and restaurants and bars and transportation. And, you know, we've heard stories tonight of, you know, everyone's intimate, you know, attractions to the city. Uh, you know, raising awareness to the mayor and the board of supervisors is going to be critical to money actually being spent, you know, to invest in the future of San Francisco. And as, you know, President McGuana stated, we, we all have our fingers crossed, you know, that this federal stimulus comes through both for cities, businesses, and individuals. Um, but I don't think the fight stops there. We're going to need to work together to work on specific policy and programs that ensure that venues are not excluded from this potential second round of funding. So we look forward to continuing and engaging in these conversations you know, to come up with tangible relief for independent venues in this city. Uh, and just can't thank you enough. You know, thank you very much for all of your time and uh, for helping uh, to champion this cause. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next commenter, please. That appears to have been the last one. Okay, sir, uh, any additional commissioner comment after the public comment? So I'll, I'll uh, while I wait to see if anybody else has anything to say, I'll, I'll say, say something. Uh, this is not gonna be the only resolution we do on this matter, not by a long shot. And this is not gonna be the only action we take on this matter, not by a long shot. Um, this is just the beginning. Uh, we're, uh, 
you know, going to uh, move the ball forward now while we can. Uh, but uh, we're uh, also going to keep focusing on what we can do to make more movement uh, quickly. And uh, as the president of this commission, I, I will commit to following up uh, with all of you in the entertainment community and, and making sure that uh, uh, we, we get some actual real measurable progress out of this. Commissioner Yakutio. Uh, hi, this is Commissioner Yakutio. Yeah, I guess um, my takeaway from, uh, I know we're not responding directly to public comment, but, but I think this is just in general, and I bet, you know, a lot of us probably feel this way, but there does just seem to be this black box of where the money is. And I know we were, we were presented to uh, by our uh, esteemed controller who explained the ad backs in the supervisorial budget. But, you know, I, I, am, I can imagine that everyone is coming to the city for money for things right now, right? We're in a time of uh, recession. Um, and it, I think it would be really helpful uh, to understand what our potential places, specific funds we can ask about. You know, they mentioned on this call, the city had a, an emergency relief fund. I'm not even really sure what that is. And so like, you know, who, where is that housed? I saw recently that the city administrator had her own discretionary fund um, because it was in some budget that we looked at. I'm sure there's a reason for that, but are there discretionary funds or does OEWD have an emergency fund or is there kind of rainy day fund or a surplus or tax fund that we can make specific asks into so that it's not just a general, um, we need money for these people, but we know there's a fund for that's for some stuff. I mean, we revealed that last week that there are $406 million currently sitting in HCSO accounts. Now we know we can't act. So we can't, we know that there's legal <laughs> issues, but we do know there's four, we found out through the press that there's $406 million sitting in HCSO accounts. So um, I guess this is uh, directed towards the director and uh, the president. You know, uh, if you guys know of particular funds with fancy names that have pots of money in them, I think it would uh, help us with our advocacy because we can ask about those funds and see, uh, you know, what's left in them. Does that make sense? It does. Um, you know, I think, I mean, having been chasing after this and, uh, you know, perhaps I'll let the director speak to this, but. Um, it's almost like when you're trying to get into like a really hot restaurant and you just, you like know you need to say like, I'm with Bill kind of thing. You just need to like, it's almost like there's some kind of like secret budgetary password you have to use where you're like, what about that emergency relief fund, you know? Oh, that fund, the one with a hundred million dollars in it that hasn't been touched. Like, I almost feel like we just need to ask the right question. You know, maybe that's wishful thinking. So uh, through the president, I think as, you know, sort of, as we know, let's say with the HCSO money, right? There, there are certain sort of criterion regulations. I think to uh, the sort of moves into new business, but it's sort of tangential to this particular conversation is taking your interest and your request. It's, a, it's a, I can't say that I know where all the pots of money are because some of them are particularly assigned to certain things that, um, 
are there as emergency spending or funding extra funding for certain types of spending? I think to your question, it's, it's to go back to the controller and ask for that list and where all the, where, where is that, what is that additional money, the emergency money, where does it live and, and, and are there specific spending requirements attached to that money? And what I can tell you is OEWD does not have a magic pot of money. It most certainly wish it does, <laughs> could. So all the, any, any magic money that happens it, it, um, for OEWD is money that is transferred into OEWD. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that is the challenge, isn't it? Um, well, uh, Commissioner Yakutiel, uh, your it's a great suggestion. I think we need to pursue this offline uh, and vote on the resolution in front of us now so that we can uh, at least get something done. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> um, so uh, I move uh, that uh, we support the uh, Resolution and amendments uh, as uh, currently drafted. Is that properly phrased, Director? Um, you first need to damn it, I knew draft the, uh, you first need to adopt the amendments as proposed. Okay. Right? Uh, and, I move we adopt the amendments as proposed. I second. I believe that was a tie, so. Commissioner Adams or Dooley, who would like to have it? Let Dooley. Okay. Oh, it was uh, it was Miriam. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll second it. <laughs> so Miriam motion to approve. Is that sorry, Commissioner Zuzunis? My apologies. No worries. Second. <laughs> okay. Motion by Commissioner Zuzunis to support the amendments as presented, seconded by Commissioner Dooley. <clears throat> Roll call vote. Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Dooley? Yes. Commissioner Huey? Yes. Commissioner Laguana? Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartena? Yes. Commissioner Yucutiel? Yes. Commissioner Zazunas? Yes. Commissioner Huey, I got you. Is that right? Okay. Yes, I think you did. <laughs> Sometimes my biggest fear is that the clerk of the board, Angela Cavillo, is watching our meetings, which I know that she's not, or at least I hope that she's not. And she's just sitting back and laughing in her chair at how disorganized the clerk of the Small Business Commission seems sometimes. When, anyway, when I, this is probably, uh, I, every time I do that intro at the beginning, I aspire to have a speaking voice as, um, as, as good as hers. And I know I'm like nowhere near, uh, like immeasurably fall short, but um, that's that's the gold standard for uh, public speaking in my view. Nonetheless, this motion passes seven to zero with none, no one in the dissent or absent. Is there a second motion? Um, just to, for clarification, I'm sorry. We voted on the amendments, correct? And now we're voting on the full? Yes. Okay. 
I motion that we uh, approve the full resolution um, with amendments. <clears throat> Seconded. Motion by Commissioner Adams to approve the resolution with the amendments previously voted on and seconded by Commissioner Laguana. Roll call vote, Commissioner Adams. Yes. Commissioner Dooley. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. Commissioner Laguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. Commissioner Yacoutiel. Yes. Commissioner Zizunas. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Great. We are now on item eight, which is the director's report, update and report on the Office of Small Business and Small Business Assistance Center, department programs, policy and legislative matters, announcements from the mayor and announcements regarding small business activities discussion item. Thank you, commissioners. Um, so uh, first I want to um, start off by congratulating Commissioner Yukutiel for um, being passed out of rules committee today for his appointment to the SFMTA board. Um, so congratulations to you. Uh, and then um, I also want to extend as it, this is our last meeting of uh, calendar year 2020. Hard to believe that we are here. Um, I want to extend my appreciation to media services for their support that they've provided um, to uh, both Dominica and I as staff and for you as commissioners in running our meeting and, um, and really helping the city uh, get through this process and be able to conduct its business in a virtual environment. And we all have learned um, I think many new and great things from that. So thank you, Media Services, SFGovTV. I just really appreciate all that you've done to support us. Um, and so to move on to, I, I have a very short report uh, tonight. Um, I wanted to let you know, I'm going to monthly report out our client service numbers um, so I am reporting the uh, November totals. Uh, our staff um, served 313 businesses. Uh, 138 came through emails. Uh, 169 came through phone calls. And 13 businesses came through inquiries from the SF Business Portal. So note that this sort of this number kind of takes us back to the numbers pre-COVID, but it does. It does mean um, we are beginning to get into having to do more business services and new business services. So the engagement time with each of those businesses is longer because we are not being able to conduct it in person. Uh, 25 businesses were assisted in Spanish and nine businesses were assisted in Chinese. 14% uh, of that 313 were pre-startup. 14% um, of the 313 were uh, businesses with less than one year in business. And then 40% um, of the businesses were, had one or, more, um, one or more years in business. Um, we assisted a handful of businesses um, in closing their business and four businesses seeking assistance in relocation. 
And the top four uh, supervisorial districts that we served were, uh, and this is in order, is D3, D9, D10, and D6. So I do think that that um, also has a high uh, equity um, reflection as well. Um, the top issues, there's some interesting issues that have arisen um, in the last couple weeks. Um, one is we are in greater need for legal assistance around leases and rents um, for our small businesses. So I do want you to know that the Office of Economic and Workforce Development is also working to engage the Bar Association to help provide um, the legal assistance. Um, legal services for entrepreneurs um, is um, the demand is, is, is very, very great that's coming through them. And so to help keep up with the volume and the need, we are um, gonna be expanding that assistance to the Bar Association. Um, we are also seeing businesses, predominantly food-related businesses that have more intensive um, TI and, uh, and pre-opening um, pre costs. So they're getting their business open. So many, several have, uh, they had just begun the process when COVID hit. There was definitely a pause when um, construction for the um, business, commercial business sector was, um, I should say, yeah, the commercial business except for development um, was not um, allowed. Um, and so businesses are getting, it, now they can do it, they're getting close to opening, but they're finding that they don't have enough funding to complete their projects. Um, and we, um, and the funding, there is not enough funding out there for the, for newly starting businesses. Um, and, um, and of course these businesses aren't eligible for the idle and the PPP because they were not in operation in 2019. So any of the COVID funding, they're not eligible for. So I do want to say that um, I'm very happy that the commission did put in its um, recommendations to the mayor for federal funding is that we do need to substantially also increase funding for newly starting businesses. We want to make sure those that did get started don't go out of business before they are able to open their doors or not go out of business, don't, don't have the opportunity to even start their business. But we also are going to make, we also need to make sure that as we come out of this pandemic, we have enough funding to help new businesses get going as well. That's, that's a key part of our economic recovery. So I want to uh, extend my appreciation that the commission also gave that consideration in its recommendations. Um, and we are, um, I am working with Laurel Aravati Tedious in OEWD. We are getting inquiries from our personal services and massage as to why Medi spas can be open and they can't. And the only key distinction is that technically Medi spas do have a doctor um, on site to do some doctor procedures, but the doctors don't perform the massage, uh, any facials, anesthetician work. Um, and so, um, and I know that this was something that was brought up. Uh, one, uh, uh, one of the, I think, 
perhaps meetings uh, with the commission um, with Dr. Aragon. So um, those are the key things that I wanted to highlight for tonight. Um, there aren't um, uh, any significant pieces of legislation that ha were introduced last week at the Board of Supervisors. Um, so um, I will provide you with some written updates. Uh, one, the legislation that you heard around the entertainment permit and restaurant permits uh, last week um, has a minor amendment, but it's to codify some of the business licensing and, pay and tax payment dates and deadlines. So with that, um, I'm happy to take any questions. Do we have any questions for the director? No questions. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, those are some things that we wanna keep an eye on. Um, and uh, the, the whole personal service issue remains a vexing uh, problem. Um, I think uh, now with Dr. Aragon at the state uh, and with no current public health officer, uh, it's unclear when we will get a replacement public health officer. I assume that we will get a public health officer because I've seen uh, some supervisors saying that they, they plan uh, to have a, a replacement public health officer. I think we need to uh, find uh, uh, some way to advocate for small business with the, the current structure and it's uh, like everything else, there's just a whole lot of moving parts and it's very difficult to figure out um, what the right path to take is. So um, I appreciate you bringing that up, Director Dickendrazy. You're welcome. And, and perhaps um, adding on to that, um, Commissioner Laguana, as uh, the commission may wanna um, give some consideration for future a resolution. I just thought of this. Um, working, you know, to our mayor and the board of supervisors, that um, one of the key components that Dr. Aragon was really advocating for was really using risk-based management tools. I don't think that that's really been fully developed at the state level or at the local level, and so um, I think that there's still room. Um, and time for those things to be worked on and implemented. Um, and, um, and I think that that will also be somewhat critical in also conveying to the consumer as we start to, um, you know, after the, um, the um, immunization uh, reaches a critical level um, to build back customer confidence. So it's, uh, um, a more escalated recovery as opposed to a slower recovery in terms of customers returning to businesses. Um, you know, I've thought a lot about those comments he made about risk-based models, and I'm hoping that with his elevation to that role that we'll start to see that get rolled out at the state level and that that will result in uh, uh, a more uh, surgical response to uh, shutdowns, which at the moment seem um, uh, not as surgical maybe as, as, as they could be. Um, 
and, and enabling uh, folks to stay open and um, while still um, being very careful about public health. Um, this seems like it needs to be worked on more um, and hopefully we can play a constructive role in, in advocating for a more careful approach. So um, thank you again for this comment and uh, Commissioner Huey. Um, thank you very much. Um, I, you know, as I'm thinking about it or, you know, I feel like right now we have kind of an opportunity to, to kind of reimagine what this next phase is going to look like. It kind of feels, I don't know if it's the new year approaching or, or, you know, the place we are in terms of having some understanding of of the virus, of the environment, the economy, like we are, I feel like we're kind of in a midway point and it makes sense for us to now kind of, I think maybe recognize how much we've kind of put together in this, in this time frame. like from March to now, we've helped and seen sectors organize. We've seen leaders rise up. We've seen all these different things happening and people gathering numbers and gathering information about their sector and about their business. So we have now kind of this like big vault of information that I think we have it kind of organized in a way, but I think we could take this opportunity to to do something more with it and reimagine what I think an ideal kind of reopening might be. Because like what's, ha what's happened is that I think um, certain businesses and sectors get kind of left behind when something else marches forward. And I feel like there's this, it's a constant kind of like struggle, you know, and maybe it doesn't have to be that way. And I don't know if that's just, you know, dreaming and wishing, but I feel like that's kind of needed to kind of pull yourself out from the weeds and see what could be a better plan and for us to be able to propose that given the information that we know. And are we also, you know, I mean, part of what we do, the big part of what we do is, is um, advocacy, right? But having the data, having the information. And I think I, I feel like now we kind of have a lot more than we started with in terms of we know, you know, like just the information we have about the entertainment venues, the information we have about nail salons. We, we understand a lot more about our business community than we, than we did. And I think it's kind of a good time to recognize what are the things that we do know now and what are the, the risks that we should be evaluating and how do we then maybe advocate for something that's less surgical as you described and advocating for a reopening of our economy that really keeps people safe and but you know maybe puts more responsibility on what we do with our personal time or how we spend our personal days but I, you know, I don't know exactly what the solution is yet, but I kind of wonder if with all of this information that we gathered, I don't wanna see us minimize how much we know today 
versus how much we knew in the very beginning of this. And to be able to look like, you know, at the big picture and see what we might be able to actually change. So I do believe that we should continue with resolutions and try to help with things like on a line item kind of basis. But I also think that we as a body or as a group have the ability to see the big picture that maybe other, you know, for me before coming on this commission and just being, you know, my merchant, you know, being an advocate in my neighborhood, I didn't really necessarily see the big picture that now being on this commission, I think, you know, I have a better sense. And so I, I hope that we can kind of like collectively uh, think about what the future of San Francisco recovering from this pandemic could look like um, in a, in maybe broader strokes. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that comment. And um, yeah, I think we should, um, you know, there, there's always sort of like the ground level work that needs to happen. And, you know, the, um, you know, sometimes it could be something that doesn't seem like that big to us, but is, is big to the businesses like, uh, you know, paper bag fees or, uh, uh, you know, whether it's uh, plastic utensils or disposable utensils. And then there's sort of the mid-level stuff, which is the legislation um, and, and these resolutions. And then there's sort of high-level stuff like the federal ask. And then there's a, a, a global approach, uh, which is what you're, you're advocating for. Um, and I think that's an important part of it, too. It's, it's, it's uh, the, the challenge is always how, you know, we're just an advisory body. Um, we don't have any actual teeth. So our... Um, whatever we say, um, it, it, it's only as good as the advice that we're giving and as good as the credibility that we have with the listener. Um, so a, a big part of our work is, is to build that credibility and build that trust that we're going we're gonna to give good advice. Um, and the second part of it is, is to give good advice. I'm, I'm always open. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's it, so many of our ideas uh, and initiatives have, have come from different uh, commissioners. So um, the floor is yours, Commissioner Huey. <laughs> if you can <laughs> somehow uh, craft this all into uh, 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 a big meta uh, uh, answer, uh, certainly you've had a lot of fantastic ideas. So um, and I'm happy to be a partner on any, anything you come up with. Okay. I'll work. I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I'll, uh, we'll move on to the next, well, I guess we gotta do public comment. Um, is there any, uh, uh Commissioner Yakutia? Uh, sorry, this is Commissioner Yakutia. Are we moving on from new business? No, we're not yet. We have to do public comment on the director's report. We're still on the director's report. Are you out? Oh, I have no comment on the director's report. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Dooley. So, so are, I, I have something for new business also. Does that oh, need okay. to wait? 
Great. Yep. Uh, please. Um, sorry. I'm calling you guys and you were lining up for the next item. I apologize. Uh, so uh, is there any public comment on the director's report? There is no public comment. Okay, great. Next item, please. <clears throat> item eight, uh, nine, commissioner discussion and new business discussion item. Great. Uh, commissioner Yakutiel, you were first on the new items list. Um, okay, I guess technically we, Kath, uh, Commissioner Julie and I wrote our names in at the same minute. So, but. You wanna, would you like to defer yeah. to Commissioner Dooley? Commissioner, Why don't we do that? I've talked a lot tonight. Maybe you can go first, Commissioner Dooley. <laughs> Commissioner Dooley. Hi, I'm bringing up something that I'm thinking of in terms of our recovery beyond the emergency right now, but it's, we will still be in a semi-emergency for quite a long time. Um, some of you may know I, I, I visit this tiny island of Kauai a lot, and I was extremely impressed that the county of Kauai put together a small business website that allowed people to order online, whether it was because they were closed, which was is still true. Most of the businesses are closed there. Um, or for people from other places visiting, you know, that had visited that spot before and wanted to do some shopping. So I have just been thinking whether we could put something together that um, these our neighborhood small tiny businesses could participate in, in a way of having a portal that says shop San Francisco. And it brings attention to very small businesses, but that have really unique and exciting things for to offer. Uh, I mean, baked. I mean, I've ordered baked goods from folks in Kauai. You know, it's 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 an exciting idea to me, and um, just seems like our city and county could do something like that for our small vendors. And that is something I would really be interested in looking into and working. I love this idea. Um, would you send a link to the website to the director so that um, we could share it with the commissioners? Uh, yes. And then uh, perhaps we could explore, after we've had a chance to see what you're talking about, we could explore what possible next steps might be on um, how we could advocate for something like that. Great. Great. Uh, Commissioner Yakutiel. Hi, this is Commissioner Yakutiel. Um, I have a couple items that I wanted to present for new business. The first um, is the first comment I made tonight about the legacy business program and whether or not, it, if this has not already been done, um, if there is a password we could use to ask for a special infusion of funds to our legacy business, business recipients understanding that for a lot of these legacy businesses, they're actually more cash strapped than some uh, newly capitalized businesses because you know it's hard out there. So um, it's not necessarily, we don't have to make it an agenda item, but maybe a point of exploration for the director um, or the commission president and vice president, You know whether or not there are ways we can maybe check in with our legacy businesses to see which of them are on the verge of permanent closure or if there's extra funds we could infuse into legacy business. So that's just putting it out there. It just came up in the beginning. 
the second thing is um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let me interrupt for just a second with just an idea on that. Um, I know that uh, many of our legacy businesses, uh, some of them are uh, groceries, uh, I believe. I seem to recall. Uh, perhaps I'm wrong. Um, and there may be a few other legacy businesses. And I, I, I'll just make the observation that not all small businesses are doing poorly in the pandemic, and some are actually doing really well. Uh, and, and, and so the idea would simply be, if you are doing well, would you be willing to defer on uh, any grants or aids so that that could be redirected towards folks who are not doing well? Um, so. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, uh, Commissioner Laguana, um, if there is some kind of listserv of the legacy businesses or if Richard could compile them all in an email and just send out maybe a brief survey uh, or some kind of understanding of the health of them, because, gosh, we, you know, this this body and the businesses themselves go through so, so much, you know, to become a legacy business. You know, these are like our babies, you know, and we, we need a see how they're doing if if we are aren't already if, if Richard hasn't already done that so right. if that's already happening then forgive me for bringing it up but if it hasn't this might be a good time to temperature check because if there are grocery stores or, or whatever that are doing fine that's good to know maybe you can defer some of their money maybe we're you know some folk places are like on their last check and maybe we can think about ways to have do some special advocacy for those those legacy businesses well, uh, Commissioner Huey is going up after you, and I think we'll hopefully get an update on the survey. And I believe that survey gets to uh, many of these questions. And so we could perhaps uh, lean a, bit, a little bit harder on the legacy businesses and uh, find some way to um, segregate that data, um, perhaps. I don't know if it'll be possible with how we're, we're doing this, but... Um, you know, that might be a way to get to the health of our, our legacy businesses through, through the survey we've, we've, we've okay. that yeah. it's already been working on. If, if that is, if that's something that's happening with this, if the survey also went on to legacy businesses, great. If there's a special, if, if we have the emails of all the legacy business owners, if we have all their emails, perhaps it's a quick check-in, I don't know. But again, this is not a specific recommendation, director. Yes, um, through the president. So just Rick has been staying very close in touch with all the legacy businesses because we do want to know as soon as possible mm -hmm. um, if there's going to be some anticipated issues. Okay. Um, that said, uh, we can take a look at the different sectors um, and uh, and, and take a look at the businesses and um, speak to you, you know, maybe individually about some ideas along with the president, potentially vice president, um, because they are important businesses um, for us to retain. Um, I mean, we just saw, while well, they're not a legacy business, but the Cliff House just closed right. and right. that's a classic institution. So, um, uh, so yeah, I'm just thinking about director. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go on. Just if, if maybe we're just trying to, obviously this body is just trying to help as many small businesses as we can at this time. So if, if it's hard for us to find pots of money for particular industries, maybe it wouldn't be so hard for us to find pots of money specifically to save legacy businesses, you know? 
And so if we can section out, we know that there are 40 legacy businesses that are on the verge of permanent closure, we could use that extra special emergency use, use authorization okay. supplemental fund in the slush to okay. fund these businesses is, is I guess my, my thinking. Okay, so that's the legacy business thing. The second thing is, you know, vaccinations are coming and it might be, uh, you know, small businesses have a vested interest in the uh, distribution of these, uh, uh, this vaccine. There's a lot of questions about what is a frontline worker? What is an essential worker? Who in a particular business is considered an essential worker? And it might not be a bad idea um, for this, this body to um, find out who the person is locally making decisions uh, about the distribution of vaccines. Uh, if, it's, if it is locally, if it's not all Sacramento and perhaps bring them to the commission to ask some questions. And um, if, that's, if there's an agenda, if there's time on the agenda for that. The second piece is uh, there's an interim public health director and potentially a new one soon. And uh, again, we all know, I think it's no mystery that there are a lot of small businesses who feel um, very aggrieved right now by the seeming lack of data, science, and facts that have come as backup to the recent uh, health order. Um, and I actually don't think that small businesses have a lot of problem, have not had a lot of problems doing what needs to be done to protect people's lives. You know, I don't know if you all agree with this, but in my industry, restaurants, bars, you know, volume businesses, retail, you know, folks were frustrated, but they understood um, because the decisions were then immediately backed up by data, science, and facts. And what we heard loud and clear was that outdoor dining was a very low risk activity. In fact, recent data has come out that about less than 2% of new COVID cases have been contact traced back to dining in any, in any way. So um, we have questions and I don't think it's outlandish to really try to get the answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. what, what studies were done that showed that shutting down outdoor dining, which has resulted in thousands of jobs lost, um, was the right call to make based on the data, science, and facts. So the new interim public health director, I wonder if she has time to come to our body. Um, and then the last update I'd make is I did submit a number of public records requests as it relates to the healthcare securities ordinance after the last small business commission meeting, asking specific questions uh, about trying to understand where these funds are going, have gone, uh, and where they're sitting. I'm awaiting those, uh, the responses to those public records requests and have communicated to the office of the supervisor um, that had been in touch with about this. Uh, and I will update the uh, commission uh, once I hear back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, point of clarification, uh, has Dr. Phillip been named interim health director? I, I missed that. If that I think because uh, of the rule, I think there was something that gets triggered that if the, the, the sitting public health director leaves, the, uh, the second in command automatically becomes interim until a, the, the, the permanent public health director gets chosen, if I'm not mistaken. So she is the interim just by Did, nature of Tomas being gone. So her, there, there, is no inter, there is no deputy health director. Uh, if there was a deputy health director, that would be true, I think. Um, you may have better information than mine, but my understanding, and, and perhaps the, the, our director can um, share any knowledge she may have about this, but my understanding is uh, we did not have a deputy health director. Uh, and uh, uh, as a result, the director of 
DPH uh, becomes uh, sort of the only uh, health, uh, becomes the acting uh, health director. I, I'm a little unclear on what the actual title is, but uh, I, I, I don't think there is an interim. Uh, well, last I heard, but. Um, through commissioners, I'll find out specifically. I think um, there was the um, determination by the city attorney early on in terms of, um, uh, there was a question in terms of the role of uh, Dr. Colfax and then um, Dr. Aragon as the health officer. And that determination stated that Dr. Aragon was generally the health officer is the head of the Department of Public Health, who is generally a doctor, a right. medical doctor. Right. Um, at the time that Dr. Aragon was appointed as the health officer, the head of the Department of Public Health was not a medical doctor. So, um, so we, now that we do have a medical doctor, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to speak specifically as to what the next steps are, but uh, I will find out for you. And, and then, sorry, a quick addendum to that. This is Commissioner QTL. I know we are not allowed to lobby the state government, but we are, this, this, the state public health director, you know, is our former city public health director. And, you know, ostensibly the decisions around outdoor dining and other uh, health orders, um, you know, the city's not going to go against what the state is doing, right? If the state of California says you have to shut down these industries, we know that San Francisco will. Um, Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever it is, our state public health director um, is now, who was the San Francisco health director, is now empowered to make these decisions for the entire state. And so I, what I'm trying to uh, funnel here is I am getting a lot of inbound, a lot of frustration, a lot of questions from my industry, and they do not know what to do with their feelings. And as a representative of small businesses, to our city government, I feel a little bit um, hamstrung because I actually do not know where they should focus their attention because I don't, we don't have a public health director and we don't know who the next one's gonna be. So I guess once there's clarity on who is making decisions on the future of these industries, uh, at least in the short term, I would re really love to be able to bring them to this body so that we can ask some important questions about how these decisions are getting made. Yeah, um, you know, it is challenging because it's a, a state level position um, and there is that uh, inability to uh, take action at, at a state level. Uh, let me, um, you know, perhaps uh, we can uh, think about this offline. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, uh, there is nothing that I know of uh, that prohibits us as, as individuals um, from uh, speaking with Dr. Aragon, who we previously developed a relationship with while presenting to the commission. Um, so uh, perhaps, uh, Commissioner Yukudiel, uh, if we have uh, specific questions or uh, something we specifically want to do, we can speak with some of the other coalition partners in, um, in, in the small business community and, and think about what we might want to specifically uh, request or lobby for or, um, you know, uh, 
there, there's other ways we can be of assistance. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, within the context of the uh, uh, of of the commission. But there's that's the challenge as far as the commission it, in in terms of interacting with with statewide authorities. Which it's unfortunately outside our scope. Even right. though we're a fantastic commission for for doing that. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um. Okay, uh, Commissioner Huey, you've been very patient. Thank you. You're up. Sure. Um, I wanted to address, I think, um, the legacy business question. Um, well, I have a couple of things, but starting with that, um, I believe I had a conversation with um, Rick at some point where we felt, where we had talked about um, perhaps him finding out more information or being able to survey the legacy businesses, because um, as Director Dickendrizy mentioned, he has such a deep relationship with all of the legacy businesses. And one thing that I wanted to um, kind of note, I guess, in the today is that you know these legacy businesses have perhaps some really amazing best practices that they've put in place that we could all kind of learn from. And I mean, these are businesses that have weathered all different types of uh, events and maybe none as catastrophic as this one to the economy and to their business. But, you know, there are some pearls within our community that I think we could probably um, glean. So I think that might be something that the legacy businesses could provide for us too. I've seen some articles. Um, I think the New York Times did an article on um, businesses in Japan and there are businesses that are like thousands of years old, maybe a, maybe a thousand, maybe multiple thousands, but, um, they, you know, these are businesses that have learned how to, um, really be generational and how to pass, um, a business down from one generation to another, which I think is really crucial to many of our, our businesses that have withstood a lot. Um, and it's a different mindset. And that's something that I think could change San Francisco communities in terms of um, businesses not just opening up for a moment, but really being an institution and what that mindset looks like. So I do think that the legacy businesses have, um, have a lot to offer in terms of their expertise as well. So if there's a way that we can kind of mine that information, that would, I think, be a really nice, um, addition to the knowledge that we have right now. Um, so, and then the second piece was um, Commissioner Julie, I really like the idea of um, having uh, like a, a one-stop shop website. Cause I feel like through the whole thing, I personally have been trying to just reach out to every small business and spend, you know, any money I have at a small business. And I think there are many residents who would probably feel the same as well as people who just have a very fond place in their heart for San Francisco. And I have heard, um, I saw an email go by this morning where somebody had um, asked about something like this. And I think there are a lot of partners that we could probably talk to and I'd be happy to you know, lend my support um, towards, um, towards your, your idea. I think it's a great idea. Um, and lastly, I think the one thing that I keep talking about is the survey. 
and the survey, I believe, will be done in all languages by Wednesday, has been my last update from Professor Chowdhury. And um, so I'm hoping that that will be done. And I think my ask of you, um, for all of you as commissioners, is to um, maybe take a look at um, Director Dickendrizzi's outreach document. And if there's any way to kind of help fill that out a little bit, I think all of you have really, um, you know, very positive and uh, close connections to your supervisors. And I think that might also help too, is because I do think the feedback that I've gotten from all the um, from all of you has been that surveys are are tough right now. Where um, I think people are getting survey fatigue, and for us to launch this is going to take a lot of effort on our parts for outreach. But I am willing to go around and like um, Commissioner Dooley and Commissioner um, Ortiz Cartagena has um, offered, and every one of you actually has offered this. This is a walking door to door and like, or, you know, connecting people, you know, via text or email or whatever, but I think it is going to take personal touch. So hopefully the survey will be, you know, um, a nice excuse for us to connect with people within our communities. So I'm hoping that that would be, um, that'll be a good part of this holiday season. So I think that's pretty much all I had for my commissioner report. I've probably attended meetings and said things at different things that I do not remember right this second, but um, I'm happy to, you know, support all the stuff that you guys are working on. So thank you. Commissioner Huey, uh, just a question with regards to survey timing. Um, and, and apologies if I've asked this before. Um, and I, this is an honest question because I don't have an answer in mind um, one way or the other. Um, but do we think it's wise to uh, do a survey, put the survey out right before the holidays or would we collectively be better off to just wait until after the first of the year? And, and I genuinely don't have, I'm not putting my thumb on the scales one way or the other on that question. I, I'm, I'm just putting the question out there. You know, my my feeling from <clears throat> the professor and her experience so far is that she's always kind of advocated for just doing it now. We're going to, you know, we're going to get today's data and we are um, keeping it open through the month of January. So I think, you know, whether, whether it gains traction now or later, we can try to control that a little bit too. If it, we're seeing that it's not hitting as hard during the holidays, I think when we reconvene in January or when we're able to, you know, go out and see more people or whatever is happening, um, we can hopefully try to get more respondents. I think that makes sense. Let me make a recommendation based on my, um, limited uh, marketing experience, which is why don't we do a, um, or a, a, an idea might be uh, to release the survey pre-holidays, uh, kind of uh, promote it among personal networks and um, uh, kind of do a soft launch, if, if you will. And then in January, try and do a full court press um, first or second week of January, uh, because I think a lot of times for, you know, when you're promoting something, people need to hear it kind of from multiple channels simultaneously. 
Um, I'm worried that if we just kind of dribble it out over the holidays that we will we'll never gain a full head of steam. So we should just like commit to doing like a full court press in January when we think we can get everybody's attention, but go ahead and release it now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm buying that. It's, anyways, it's just an idea. Um, I, don't, I don't know how that bounces off you. No, I, th I think that actually, I mean, that feels like, you know, general marketing principles, right? It's like a pre-sale or like a VIP, VIP survey <laughs> that you get to take. <laughs> so, um, I recognize this is a public forum, so my VIP may not be that special since I'm mentioning it to everyone, but I do think that, um, I do think that the soft launch might be nice uh, during the season. I think um, I would be happy to talk about this further offline and kind of go over the specifics of the outreach if you want to talk about it after, if that's possible, director. Okay. Um... Oh, well, I'm sorry, that was directed towards the director. Yes, that's possible. Um, okay, great. Uh, so any other commissioner um, questions or new business? Um, so I'll just go real quick. Uh, I've been investing a lot of energy in uh, bankruptcy reform, uh, particularly at, at the state level. Unfortunately, many of our small businesses are not going to make it. Um, and um, oh, I'm sorry, Commissioner Yakutiel, did you have a question? I didn't. Uh, okay. No, I just, um, Commissioner Laguanas, Commissioner Yakutiel, um, it was about the adjournment notice. I thought you would, yeah. and I was going to ask you for permission to adjourn, but. but Yeah, uh, I will, uh, I, I've not forgotten. I, I will come back to you. Uh, so, uh, Many of our businesses will not succeed and will not survive. And many of these business owners will be facing bankruptcy. Currently, bankruptcy law only allows $70,000 as a homestead exemption. Uh, so if you are a small business owner and you own your home uh, and you have, a, you know, say $300,000 in uh, equity, um, you're only allowed to keep $70,000 of that if you, you file bankruptcy, and the rest will go to your lenders. Um, if you have a car, you're only allowed to keep, the, the, the trustee will sell your car and give you back $2,300, which is not, um, in most cases, not enough money to buy another car. Uh, so um, there's all these different laws, and they're unfortunately very lender friendly, uh, particularly for uh, small business owners, and uh, I think they were they, they were written in, in, in contemplation of a time when most people that were filing bankruptcy made mistakes um, or perhaps were engaged in fraudulent behavior. That's clearly not the case now. Intriguingly, um, uh, uh, there is a Harvard business study that um, shows that uh, commercial bankruptcies are down um, since the pandemic started, down significantly among small businesses. And so this sounds counterintuitive, uh, but the reason is because all the courts are closed and um, all the work from home uh, and plus people are waiting to see what'll happen and uh, nobody knows how severe this is or how long it'll last. Um, so what I, I fear is likely to happen is that we have a tremendous uh, 
pent up demand for bankruptcies. And I think we're going to see an explosion of them uh, in 2021, um, particularly the second half of it uh, and uh, well into 2022 as uh, various tax implications come. Um, so for uh, here's another thing uh, you probably didn't know. Let's say you're a business, uh, you're drowning in debt as a result of the pandemic, you get a, uh, a lender to forgive your debt or, or some portion of your debt so that you can stay in business. Well, great, you got some of the debt forgiven. Um, that's amazing and you're able to stay in business until you get a 1099C from the lender at the end of the year because debt, forgiven debt is taxable. So if you have a million dollar loan um, and you got uh, $500,000 of it uh, forgiven, uh, you could be looking at a, uh, doing some quick math here, um, $150,000 tax bill uh, that you weren't expecting. Um, and that tax bill uh, is not forgivable or dischargeable in bankruptcy. So uh, I just wanted to alert everybody that this is a very serious matter that um, no policymakers that I'm aware of are really focusing on yet. Um, and I don't think even the small business community really fully understands how um, serious this uh, iceberg is, uh, but it's, it's approaching. Uh, and uh, uh, perhaps there'll be an opportunity for the commission to write another letter or memo uh, about this. But um, I, I will say that uh, in our federal ask, uh, we also made um, a number of recommendations around uh, bankruptcy reform because there's uh, similar laws that need to be changed at the federal level uh, or just the, uh, it'll just be an ongoing train wreck that will uh, in many cases drag people out of uh, being small business owners for the rest of their lives. Um, and they'll, they'll never escape uh, the damage of these eight months uh, because bankruptcy doesn't allow any escape. It's, it's really awful. Uh, so that's it. Um, I feel like I have other stuff, but um, that's enough for one day. And it's nice to be done by 7.30. So um, with that, I guess uh, we'll, uh, is there any public comment on the commissioner new items? Commissioner, sorry, new business and comments. There is no public comment. Great, seeing none, public comment is closed. Um, Dominica, next item, please. <clears throat> SFW TV, please show the Office of Small Business slide. We will end with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco, and that the Office of Small Business is the best place to get answers about doing business in San Francisco during the local emergency. If you need assistance with small business matters, continue to reach out to the Office of Small Business. Item 10, adjournment action item. Manny, do you want to make a motion? Yes, this is Commissioner Yucutiel. Um, I would like to motion, I would like to motion to adjourn uh, tonight's Small Business Commission meeting in honor of the Cliff House. Um, a brief word about the Cliff House. It is 157, it was 157 years old. It was built by Senator John Buckley uh, and uh, C.C. Butler. 
It was then purchased by Adolf Sutro, who was the first Jewish mayor in 1883. A little trivia for you. There was a dynamite explosion in 1887, which was tremendously destroyed it. Then there was a Christmas fire in 1894, which burnt it to the ground. Then Mayor Sutro rebuilt it in 1896. Honey, this business survived the 1906 earthquake. Uh, and but then was burnt to the ground in 1907 again. It was rebuilt and changed ownership a few times, um, but at long last in 2020, due in no small part to the COVID-19 crisis, it was announced uh, yesterday uh, or sometime this week that it was going to permanently close December 31st. They've laid off 180 employees, 180 employees. Um, and obviously the Cliff House is a San Francisco institution. You know, I have to believe that this is not the last we've seen of the Cliff House. It's just too important to this city's culture and history. Um, but it isn't, but it is possible that the permanent closure that was announced will in fact be a permanent closure. And so I thought it would be uh, important to adjourn this meeting in honor of the Cliff House. I second that. <clears throat> Um, motion to adjourn the meeting in honor of the Cliff House by Commissioner Yacuzio, seconded by Commissioner Adams. Roll call vote, Commissioner Adams. Yes. Commissioner Dooley. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. Commissioner Laguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent. Oh man, Dominica. Uh, Commissioner Yacuzio. Commissioner Yucutio? You have muted. Yes. Uh, Commissioner Zizunis? Yes. Motion passes six to zero with one absent and the meeting is adjourned at 7.36 p.m. Thanks everyone. Bye y'all. Have a great holiday. Yes.